This is Jamila Lemieux, and this is a Loudspeakers Network production. Internet, you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. First and foremost, we've got uh, our interim co-host, A King, in the, in, in the, in the building. You got to do all that. They no, I got to do is, this man. because I got to explain to the internet. This is a very joyous week. Premium Pete, this is the second week that yes. Premium Pete cannot make it to the Combat Jack Show yeah. because he and his lovely mate, Low-Key Nat, just Low gave Nat. birth to a beautiful baby boy, a bouncing baby boy, Tristan Gibaldi. Six pounds, seven ounces, mm. natural, natural Never child. This speakers. is beautiful. Premium Pete is not fucking us with us these days. <laughs> He's not micromanaging the team. <laughs> Pete, we love you, but we also enjoy the fact that you're on paternity leave. <laughs> enjoy every day of the paternity leave as you can. Yeah. And when you get back, you'll get back, my brother. What's up, A-King? What's good, bro? My man, for a second of all, yeah. I really got to announce, you know, you guys know that I've been on this whole Raise the bar, hashtag raise the bar kick, and I really, really mean it. But today, you know, announcements announcement was made, and some people are challenging my commitment to raise the bar. Right. You know, today it was announced that we just acquired a very new podcast. Uh, DJ Vlad has just joined the Loudspeakers Network, <laughs> and he has a show called Vlad's Couch. Now, internets, you and I both know, especially if you've been riding with us from day one and shooting with us in the gym. You know I've had my personal issues, very deep personal issues with Vlad. But I can tell you, I mean, I, I don't announce everything, but about a year ago, Vlad reached out to me personally, and we squashed everything. It was no fanfare. It was no hoopla. It was just, you know, behind, the, behind closed doors. And the way he approached me, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, it, it was very honorable. Now, I'm sure most of you are not comfortable with the <laughs> word honorable and DJ Vlad being in the same sentence. But I'm telling you, I'm just telling you guys know it, I'll sell you the bullshit. It was a very honorable way of resolving our beef. And over over the past year, you know, from from afar, he's been really, really supportive. Right. Now, you know, this is more of a an alliance between him and the brilliant idiots and, and the energy that Charlemagne brings. But you know, at the end of the day, I wanna I wanna see how this thing operates. You know, some people are saying this is a black eye to the brand. You know, let's give it a chance. You know what I'm saying? Let's give it a chance. What do you think about this, A-King? Yo, listen, somebody tweeted out, uh, I think a week ago, they said the the Loudspeakers Network is the new Def Jam. It's a new bad boy. Right. And I kind of agree. Like, you know, and it's not going to be all, you know, DJ Vlad is dope, man. Vlad, Vlad. He's well, I mean, you know. He's I, doing his thing. He's doing Vlad his thing. is doing his thing. He's doing his thing. And, and I can tell you, I mean, we may not agree with some of the things that he portrays or some of the things that he brings to the forefront but you cannot argue with that man's business acumen absolutely not. and ultimately yes i'm not trying to sell my soul i'm not trying to sell my integrity and definitely you know the combat jack show will not falter in its mission to raise the bar but let's just mm. see how this thing operates you know it's gonna have more lord jamar on there i mean you know it's gonna have lord jamar <laughs> on there okay it's gonna have charlemagne on there it's gonna have to me you know, one of the most brilliant men that's ever, that's revolutionized, uh -oh. you know, urban black radio. Uh -oh. And that's the legend that is star, you know? So, I mean, in, in a sense, we're acquiring, I mean, it, it's kind of like a buffer too, because we can't it's have, over, we, internets, we cannot over, have, Lord Jamar, respect, 
peace, God, and all that. But we cannot have a Lord Jamar show. Yo, dude, <laughs> that is going to be yeah, That's my new favorite podcast right now. Well, I haven't heard it yet. You haven't even heard it yet? Nope. So, so internet, I'm just saying, I know this is, is, this is a shock. Let's just give it a chance. I'm yeah. still rocking with you. Thank you for rocking with me. Now, I'm very excited about our current guest. She came in floating, looking beautiful. Thanks. You know, I've been getting heat, internets, and I hear you. I respond room. to you guys <laughs> and gals. You guys have been saying, where are the women on the Combat Jack show? What's up with all these hard legs? Why do you guys <laughs> love this sausage fest? Pause. And I've heard you and I responded. And, and it's really funny. This is really organic. Um, I just tweeted last week that, that I need more women yeah. on the show, and people started uh, giving us suggestions. And, and our current guest gave me a list of suggestions. You didn't list no, yourself. No, someone else listed me. Right. And I responded and said, sure, I would love to. But I loved her response, and yeah. I said, I want you on the next episode. So, Internets, we welcome to the Combat Jack Show an American columnist, yes. cultural critic, and senior editor of an iconic <laughs> Black magazine brand, the incredible and incomparable Jamila Lemieux. Welcome yeah. to the Combat Jack Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. Was was that a, a, an okay intro for That's you? That's a fan. You went to Wikipedia. I did. I went to Wikipedia. <laughs> Anytime I hear American colonists, I was like, oh, you went to my, pic- my Wikipedia. The most trusted source <laughs> the on the internet. Source. So, 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 um, you were telling us a backstory about how you trumped one of your peers today or one of your colleagues about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to my dear friend, longtime friend since childhood and co-worker Aaron. Who, What's up, Aaron? Uh, yes, and he will appreciate the shout out. But he was he said, yo, you heard the Mark Lamont Hill episode of the Combat Jack show yet? I was like, yeah, I did. Matter of fact, I'm going to be on the show on Thursday. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> no, welcome to the show. I Thank really appreciate you. this. Thank you. First and foremost, um, happy belated Mother's Day. Thank you so much. How was your Mother's Thank Day? Thank you. It was very nice. What'd you guys do? Very nice. Uh, we went out. I had a gentleman friend who took my daughter and I to the museum. Uh, it was oh. very nice. And then my daughter and I met up with my mom and we went to dinner in okay. Brooklyn. So, so that's nice. So you celebrated the generations. Yeah, yes. Now, generational Mother's Day. Now you've been very vocal about your um journey yes as a single mother yes is was this gentleman friend a date uh, a potential <laughs> oh, she's blushing uh, you know he's a nice a friend he's okay. a nice guy right he's a nice guy mm-hmm. now, now you know it's I, i've been going you've been very open about this yes i know when you envisioned your life and as your life would roll out mm-hmm. you didn't the last thing you envisioned was being a single mom the when i tell you the last thing right. The last The last thing. thing. Now, why? I mean, I understand, but why? Well, you know, my parents broke up when I was very young, and I was raised by single parents, even though I had both of my parents very active in my life, and I'm incredibly close with my father, more close as an adult than I was as a child. But, you know, we have a great relationship. He was always very responsible. I just always longed for that nuclear family, that, like, mom and dad in the house and, you know— you're pregnant, somebody's rubbing your back and rubbing your feet and going to get you food. And, you know, I didn't get that. You didn't get that. I didn't get that. I was in a relationship. The relationship went sour, broke up, got pregnant, decided to keep the pregnancy. Um, my my ex-boyfriend is a fantastic co-parent and a wonderful father. 
I have nothing for but respect for right. how he's handled right. things. Um, did not work out in the way that I wanted because I at one point wanted to be a family with him. Right. I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, you know, but it but it's it's been difficult. But I've been very fortunate. Right. You know, like because I have an active co-parent. To any man who's out there who's kind of half-assedly sort of helping with his ex-girlfriend or mm-hmm. step up because you're missing out. You step know, up. you're missing out on a really fantastic relationship and also what it does for the mother like that I do have gentleman friends. Right. I date, I travel, I work. I've achieved more things professionally in the 3 years since I got pregnant than I did in the 3 years prior to that. Right. You know, largely because I'm not spending every waking moment either at work or with the baby and I'm at work on with the baby like I have a full life right you know what was the determinative factor in you deciding to to have the baby <sighs> Ooh, we get deep you know we, we, we'll get light <laughs> but you know okay like so I had prior to this encounter have been so responsible with birth control measures throughout my entire life from when I became you know active as a teenager until then that the one time, literally the one time that we slipped up and there was no go get a pill and take care of it, I thought it was a sign. Right. I thought it was like, we're not supposed to be parting ways. Right. We're supposed to be a family right. and this is meant to be. And I'm supposed to have this child at this point in my life. And, you know, it was a very difficult decision. It wasn't one I took lightly. She was not a keep a uh, baby. Right. You know, people have accused me of that. Right. I, I never had I saw how things would have worked out, I probably would not have kept the pregnancy. Wow, okay. But I'm glad that I did right. because she's such a fantastic and amazing child and I have such a great life with her and I think her father has a really great life with her and I just can't imagine her not being here. You know, so... You know, I, I definitely believe that 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 children are universal, a gift from the universe. Absolutely. Regardless of what the situation may be, you know. And, and I know you've also been uh, very concerned about the sacrifices mm-hmm. that motherhood would have on you. Do you yeah. still have those concerns or have you overcome those concerns? You know, I feel like I found a good place. And there are there are women who single, married, somewhere in between that haven't made the same choices that I have. And so they're like, well, how do you travel? How do you date? How do you do these things? You know, like even my own mother, it took her some time. Like every time I call her and my daughter wasn't there and she spends, I'd say, on average two and a half to three days a week with her dad out nice. of seven. Nice. Right. So she's still with me most of the time. But, you know, to me, that's enough that they've been able to con- to have a very significant relationship. If I am out of town for five days, she can be there for five days and it's not, you know, disrupting. She? She's two. OK. You know, so, I mean. Everybody's getting a good, healthy amount of time with this child, and she's attached to us both in a very meaningful way. But if I call my mother on a Saturday, she'll be like, "Where's the baby?" Right. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, she's with her dad on Saturdays. <laughs> she's not with me, right. you know. And it took a long time for us to get to that point because she just, you know, she get quiet, and I say, "Mommy, like the other five days that I called you, and you say, where's the baby?'" And I say, "She's right here." Exactly. The day I call you, right. it's like. She's not here and you make me feel like I'm doing something wrong. So I think in a lot of ways, it is somewhat radical what we're doing, you know, and I don't know if if at some point we'll ever move to a traditional full out joint custody arrangement or if we'll be trading off weeks or, you know, I like it the way it is now. When she gets older and she gets verbal and she may say, hey, I prefer this or I need that, you know, it's susceptible to change. But I think it's good. I love that she has like a daddy daddy, even though she does not live with him full time. I like that I can go out with boys and still be myself and work on my book and work on my job and just 
you know, go get a manicure, pedicure. A lot of women who can't do that are married women who can't do that. You know, it's funny. My wife educated me years ago because I was totally clueless about the full toll of motherhood Mm -hmm. and the sacrifices that it would take. And, you know, I kind of find it ironic that we're talking about this because she's talking. She she hit me onto the sacrifice no not only of single mothers but also of married, married women mothers. and and in, mothers. in some instances they carry a, a very heavy load because you know the entire load is dumped on them absolutely and 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 most to maintain the household the household and the thing is is like most women most just most people we know are not in a situation where there's a stay at home parent right. so everybody's going to work even if the wife maybe her job is not as stressful maybe she works part time but at some point she's leaving the house and she's going out and bringing in some money and there's still the expectation that the whole household is on her you right. know so when i do partner and i would i do want to be married uh, another child depends on when you find me of course you know like if we get married at 39 i can't promise you i'm gonna have another right, baby right, right. i'm 30 now got a couple years left right, right. uh i would like to have my body fully back at some point but um you know I, I i that i know about myself whether i'd had her married or you know if i end up married at some point that i have to be jamila i have to have things that exist for me outside of anyone else you know, and so my daughter is the most important person in my Good. life. Yes. I, I do these things for her. I want to be able to write a tuition check, you know, not sign a tuition <sighs> loan. You I don't want to be you able don't, you, to. Yeah, listen, I'm going through that tuition right now. It's, it's, a, it's a beast. In, it's New a York, beast. in New York City, it's a beast. It's crazy. You know, one of the things that, that I've been hip to is, you know, our first two kids, my, my wife was a stay-at-home mom. But our second two kids, I became the stay-at-home dad. And I realized that that shit is not easy you know in terms of not even just the selfish shit but like turning up because i don't even have really room for that right now but it's like the whole dropping the kids off right yeah and then taking care of all my business that i could possibly take care of between 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 drop off and and three o'clock that that's a a short day and and most motherfuckers are like let's meet at four i can't do that i don't have a you know what i'm saying we've had countless conversations (laughs) you motherfuckers like to set up no 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 no, no. i can't do that but i find that there's so much strength yes committing to that Mm -hmm. you know now tell us about your your upbringing like my upbringing like your father was an interesting guy right yes yes my father uh and, and still is he's a former black panther okay uh he was active Active. He's not an act. I mean, right. there are no Black Panthers at this point. Right. There's no Black Panther. He part. was active. Very yes, active. very active in Chicago. Uh, in Chicago, uh, and after that, a few years later, he became a police officer and what? retired as a detective. Right, which a lot of people are like, full stop. Like, what do you mean? He joined the police department with the same spirit that he joined the Black Panther Party, and his values. You know, because I met him obviously long after that he left the Panther Party. The values that I was raised with, the values that he has now, the same ones that he had as a young, young man who was, you know, yeah, yeah. it was about serving and protecting the community. And so my feelings about the police are obviously very complicated. Um, But in general, I believe that we need people out there that represent our needs and, and, and that are thinking about our safety. So I see the 16 year old kid on the corner smoking weed at 10 o'clock at night past curfew. My instinct is not I'm going to arrest you is throw the joint out and go home before yeah, somebody yeah. else does. Exactly. Or I'm going to put you in the car and drop you off. Right. I'm not taking you to the station. I'm not writing you up. I'm dropping you off. And the next time I see you, I'm calling your mom. Right. You know, like it's that community. we need community. community. Yeah. You know, and so that 
that was a spirit in which he policed and some and the black police officers that I grew up around were community policemen and police women who cared about black people. You know, it's interesting because my mechanic, uh, Rohan Knock Autos, this is a plug for Knock mm-hmm. Autos on Bergen on um St. Mark's, um, very industrious guy. And about a month ago he told me that he's part of the auxiliary police. Hmm. And I was like, why do you do this? And he's mm-hmm. like, just to really, you know, protect myself, protect my community, protect my family. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. I really want to, you know, I'm not like pro, pro police, but I'm very pro community. Absolutely. And you have to know what, you know, you have to be part of the system. It's hard because the thing is like we, you know, and my dear friend Mark is a police abolitionist. He's like, we don't, or a prison abolitionist who's just kind of like burn it all down and start completely over. And it does have to be changed from from the court. Absolutely. It has to be changed. The system can't continue the way it does. The courts can't continue the way that they are. But in the meantime, we can't allow the only police officers in Brooklyn to be young white guys who grew up on Long Island, who never, whose only encounters with black people were listening to your show. Right. Right. Like that they didn't have actual black friends. Right, they just right. listened to, to hip hop music. Of course. Like we need people who look like us, who are out there, who can speak the language of the community. And that's not saying that all black cops are good. Like, look, it's three of the six officers who were charged in the murder of Freddie Gray mm-hmm. were black, mm-hmm. you know, but that there are black police officers out there. I've met scores of them throughout my life. You know, I met some of them in St. Louis when I went to Ferguson for, you know, the the Mike post Mike Brown murder uprisings. People who just want us to be okay, who right. want to make a difference. Right. And that, you know, and I I don't need to do the whole not all cops thing, right? I think right. we understand that not all cops are bad people, but it's a bad system. It's a bad system. We have to be represented in that system on every level from having a prosecutor. That's why we're looking at Marilyn Mosby like, yes. this is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be. You right. had a black, you know, I think he was black prosecutor who announced a non indictment in Wisconsin following the death of Tony Robinson. Right. Right. You know, and just to kind of hear him out there. And again, I'm not entirely sure he was black, but he was brown. He was, he was ethnic on some level. You know, to kind of hear him explain some, you know, saying how they could not hold this officer accountable for this young man's death versus her, who she was like, this let's, let's close. Throw she every, wants to drop the mic. throw she everything at them. Everything at them because right. you did everything. Right. And everyone who was in that car was responsible. And these charges, they may not all stick, but damn it, somebody's going to be held accountable because you shouldn't have arrested him in the first place. And he's I love dead. That. I, love that. I loved it. Yeah. We need that. Right. We need that. You know, that, that doesn't come from working on only outside the system. We have to do both. We right. simply have to do both. There's no either or. How do you raise your daughter in this environment? You know, it's funny because um, this whole thing about the talk right now and yeah. it's so special and it's been Columbus and everybody's right like, this is new. Talks about the talk. Right. But I've been having this conversation with my kids ever since they were young enough to tell me yeah. that how we treated one of them or how their brother or how their siblings treated them was unfair. Yeah. Like, you know, so I've been talking to my kids since they could talk about yeah. how life no. isn't unfair and you have to work hard right. and fight to make it fair. Yeah. Well, my daughter's only two. Yes. So <laughs> starting to plant the seeds, uh, you know, she's going to her first, she's entering daycare in about a month and she's going to an African center daycare nice. center. You nice. know, like it's important that she goes to a place and there are children of other races that are there now because we live in it. We live in bedside. So the neighborhood is now quite integrated. You know, I'm surprised quite, that quite, inter- quite yes. integrated, hmm. you know, but it's important that she goes to a place where they're teaching black history and they're teaching African drumming and they're taught like that she's feeling affirmed as a black girl not just when she's at my house or her dad's house but when she's getting you know she's going to be spending most of the day with these people like we need them talking about these things you know like 
I had learned about slavery in like maybe preschool mm. and it never made me feel like I was less than or things are just hard or how unfortunate is it to be black. It just kind of gave me the tools I needed to go out there. And I grew up feeling like being black was and I grew up and I'm from Chicago. I'm from a neighborhood called Hyde Park, which was very racially mixed, very economically mixed more so then because everything is you know the gentrification yeah, that, wave that, that is, gap is it's real that gap is major yeah so even though we were a working class family a working class household i was around a lot of middle class upper middle class people so some of my tastes and manners were kind of shaped by that you know but even though my own home was a bit more modest but it was very clear to me that like being black was like shit. Yes. Like we were resilient, we were pretty. Like it was fly. It was fly. fly. You know, I need her to feel that, especially like that's part of the reason why I planted roots in bedside before I met my ex partner. Right. Like before I decided to have a child, like I was like, this is where I want to start right. a family. Like I, I want to wow. go somewhere where my kid can look around and see people who look like us that are doing a variety of things. Some people have a little, some people have a lot, but they're us. Yes, you know, it's so important. It's funny. I um spoke. Recently at uh, Howard University. Wow, a lot Yes. Yes. Um, yes, I have one of my friends graduated, my friend Justin. And he okay. said to tell you something about the people who made a bunch of noise when you were speaking. I don't know. Those were his people, okay. apparently. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's so funny. Like, I heard people making noise, mm -hmm. but... It sounded like every time I did something, people made noise. So I was like, listen, don't get carried away. There's a whole lot of people that they're making noise for. Yeah. for. So I didn't want to think it was all about me. But thank you, Justin. Yeah. But anyway, the, the thing that was most touching to me is it was probably the first time since I was 14 years old, 13 years old, that I the ceremony opened up with a woman singing, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Yeah. And it had been a long time since I heard that song. But I remember I used to sing that yeah. song every morning. And just sing, being on that stage mm -hmm. and singing that song and then just realizing the weight of that song Absolutely. and what that song, I felt so honored that I learned that song from such a young age. And yeah. I can't even imagine kids not no, kids, not kids, not kids of color not knowing that, that song. I that song in kindergarten. Right. That was my yep. first introduction right. to there every morning in kindergarten. And I, I don't think we kept it all the way up, you know, when I went from first to eighth grade at a different school that was very black and we did super black things. But that was like... Yeah, getting to Howard, getting back to that, because right. my high school didn't really do that. Like, we, you know, that we had, we opened up everything with Lift Every Voice and Sing. It, it, it's an experience like no other. And then, you know, the, the, the statistics that are coming out right now about students, uh, black students that graduate from HBCUs tend to do far more better than black students that graduated from predominantly white institutions. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Absolutely. Because, you you know, when you go there, you're made to, you're normal. It's not yes. even just about, like, on some it's level. It's not fitting in. Yeah, it's not about fitting in. It's just, like, everybody here looks like you. And then when you, you start getting to the other stuff and somebody was in Jack and Jill and their family's worth a million dollars mm -hmm. and, and, you know, your mom was washing floors to get you to Howard. Like, yeah, there are tensions and things that you learn about each other that happen. But in general, at the end of the day, everybody looks like you and on some level everybody could connect to you and right. that is so important like I felt so affirmed at Howard I didn't want to have to go somewhere and have to explain my identity to anybody like maybe I had to explain like what was it like having you know a single parent what was it like having your daddy be a black panther what was it like growing up you know like complaining or whatever it was that may have made me different from the person next to me right. sure but at the end of the day, there was this one thing that connected us all, and that was that we were black. And yes. we knew we were black, and we were convinced and, and confident and, what's the word, fulfilled by our blackness enough that we ended up at a school like Howard. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Tell us yeah. about your mom. 
I don't I don't hear much about your yes. mom. I know. I, I you know, and my mom <laughs> my mom is fantastic. She was also an activist in her youth. Okay. She was a member of Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, right. also known as SNCC. Wow. Yeah, she's at my house right now. So okay. shout out to my mother. Um we shout, have out. A, shout out to my mommy. Uh we're very close. We have a complicated relationship like I think a lot of women do with their mothers, and particularly when you become a mother, it becomes even more complicated because she's been in my house for a few weeks and she's staying for a few more weeks. She lives in Chicago. So still. she's trying to manage things that she, you didn't yeah, just invite kinda, her to manage? Yeah, I'm like, you know, I kind of brought you here because I needed somebody <laughs> to take care of the baby during the day while I go to work until a certain day in June. And it's just kind of like, go get this. Do this. Yeah. Do that. I'm like, but I'm 30. It's my house. <laughs> I'm a mother. That, that never changes. It never. It never changes. Ever changes. Never but, changes. Yeah. But she, you know, she's, a, I have all the respect in the world for her. We are different women. We are different mothers. We've made different choices with our lives. But, you know, so much of who I am is because of who she was. So growing up, you wanted to be uh, an actress? Singer? I did. I wanted to be an performer? actress. A performer. Right. Um, that was something I was interested in from, like, kindergarten on and didn't really do it. I just right. kind of was like, oh, I'm going to be an actress. And didn't really do anything with it until my senior year in high school. I went to Whitney Young High School in Chicago, which is one of the big high schools. Michelle Obama went there. A lot of folks went there. Um and I was in a play called For Color Girls Who Committed Suicide mm-hmm. When the Rainbow's Enough. Very famous play that mm-hmm. was horribly m- m- just destroyed by Tyler Perry. I didn't see the movie. If you don't I, see I, it. I saw it on Broadway. Don't ever ago. see right. it. Just don't. Just, no, it just I'm, act I'm, like it didn't happen. Because right. they're two different stories. They're just two completely different stories. And I, I did that my senior year. And my parents dropped me off at Howard. And as soon as they left, I went to the theater department and enrolled and called them. It was like, I'm a theater major. And they were like, what? You are the hope and the dream of this family. You right. are not. <laughs> so there was pushback. They were, they were just kind of like, well, what, what do you mean? What are you going to do? Are you going to be a starving artist? We're spending all this money, you know, taking all these loans. And I was like, well, look, you know, I can always be a teacher. I'll be a teacher. And then toward the end of my time at Howard, because I hadn't really, you know, I've always suffered from a little bit of laziness right. and a little bit of insecurity. You? Me. Okay. Yeah, laziness? Abs- laziness okay. and insecurity. Absolutely. Um, I think a laziness kind of born from being insecure. Not right. just like, I don't feel like getting up, but just kind of like, I mean, they're not going to pick me for the show. Right. Oh, I'm not thin enough. Which can oh, be debilitating. Enough. Yes. It can be absolutely debilitating. And I kind of got into the teaching thing. Like my junior year, I started working, you know, like a local elementary school. And, and I taught at the Howard University Middle School my senior year. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to the Howard Middle School. Yeah. I just learned about yeah. the Howard Middle School. Yeah. Last last week. Can you please? It's so phenomenal. It this is. Concept. Yeah. The Howard University Middle School of Mathematics and Science was opened in the 2005-2006 school year at Howard. And it's a charter school. I'm not a big charter school champion. Why not? I have mixed feelings about them. You know, because some of them work and some of them, I mean, it's just kind of like public schools. Some right. of them work, some of them don't. You know, one of the problems with charter schools is that they are given spaces in public mm. school buildings that yep. sometimes close public schools or push public school students away and just also that you have this kind of lottery system of mm. like you get a quote unquote top flight education and you don't. You right. live on the same block and it is what it is. But I think what bothers me more is that a lot of the charter schools, and I've worked in a few of them, have a very militaristic, paternalistic approach to education. So, you know, 
No smiling, no laughing in the hallway, no talking. Your hands must be folded. You can't talk out of turn. You know, I'm calling your parents. Which is kind of penal in a sense. It's penal. I don't feel like we need to treat black kids that way. Like, I feel like they get enough of that outside. I think that charter schools like that are very helpful for kids who go home and there's absolutely no, no structure. structure. Right. Nobody's helping you with their reading. Mom can barely read. Dad's gone. Like if it's if you're if your shit is that chaotic at home, then maybe that'll help you out and kind of give you what you need to get you ready for high school and college. But I know I don't want somebody telling my child no. that like because she you know got excited and said the answer is four. You know that now she's in some sort of detention right. because she didn't remember to raise her hand. And, and say, no, there's no there's no freedom. I think, I mean, and it's funny because once again, my wife, who's an educator, pointed it out. She says a lot of our black schools are so harsh and strict and she gets it. She wants to, yeah, she understands that that. that it it comes maybe from a, from a a space of protection and fear and dealing with the real world. But that's that you, you, you become institutionalized in a sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, it makes sense to the college level, like. Some of the HBCUs have curfews or, you know, the co-ed dorm situation doesn't start until you're a sophomore or junior. You know, you can't have overnight guests. There's certain rules that I think were just kind of one, the kind of respectability politics thing, like that we just have to be good. Right. Whereas other kids go to college and they just Just wild wild out, turn up, turn out for four years, turn all the way up and then go out and become doctors and lawyers and judges and and CEOs. CEOs. And, you know, I think we need to trust our kids to do that on some level. Like we need, we need to, to trust ourselves. Them. We need to trust ourselves, right. which we don't. So how did you get the writing bug? I was always good at it. And I have to shout out my my dear friend, Raven, one of my best friends who's a lawyer mm-hmm. now. And, you know, she pulled me to the side on Georgia Avenue, like maybe freshman year. And she was like, you know, you picked the wrong major. You know, you're supposed to be writing. And I like curse her out. Why did like, she say that? Because I'd always been good at it. And I always not just good at it, but like good at it in a way that people are like, this is you. Right. This you you love this. And I'm just like, mm, 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 mm. I'm gonna be a butcher, I'm gonna be a baker, I'm gonna be a candlestick maker, I'm gonna right. be anything but a writer. And she was right. She called me out. She brought that up recently and I, I was like, I, I haven't forgotten that, you know, and, and I So she kinda planted the seed. She planted the seed, you right. know, and I was just like, No, 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 no. And I think it was like my senior year I started a blog. So like two thousand five, two thousand six. Technically I graduated in two thousand seven because I failed like a class second semester senior year. But um, but I finished so you, up you the house. Super, a super sneak senior. So right? super, but I was what I wasn't because I wasn't on campus anymore. Okay. Like I finished my last class. They let me take it at a community college, right. okay. so no one saw me again right, right, until right. graduation. You know, <laughs> uh, and then I participated in graduation both years. Right. <laughs> so okay. people were like, "Did you get a master's?" I was like, <laughs> yeah, "Maybe something like something that." Like that. Yeah, yeah. Just actually can't get your a piece of paper this time. <laughs> but um. But I like so like 2005, the blogging thing was just kind of becoming. It was it was it was, a, it was popping. It in was 2005. popping. It was like it was popping, but it was still newish. Right. Like you could still have to explain it. It was kind of like a renaissance. Like, yeah, it was it was a, it was yeah. a black blog renaissance. And a lot of people who are like big deal bloggers now, or you know, have kind of transcended into other stuff, started at that point. Right. Like I, that's I when I started. Kid Fury being yes. in the comments section of <laughs> Crunk and Disorderly, mm. just a funny person who told jokes, right. you know. And then it was like, now and look, look at, at him now. Look at him now, right. you know. And I, I started a little blog, and I, pr- I had it on. I hosted it on Blogspot, a uh, blogger. Mm-hmm. Wow, so I had a little shit. blog spot, and I also, but I would copy and paste and put it on MySpace too because MySpace was where you went MySpace to go find community. Right. MySpace was like Twitter. Well, yeah, like, yeah. Did, we really... did you participate in the forums? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's like, where you... I find a lot of the popular bloggers today 
originated from that too. Absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. literally, it was like Twitter is now. Yes. You know, just kind of like you got up, you logged in, you checked in on your folks, yeah. like you met people offline and, you know, it, it was just a thing. And so. And it was the, be- it was called Beautiful Struggle. It was called Beautiful Struggler. Right. Struggler, yes. Struggle. And, and what was Struggle. what was the concept about? The concept, so it kind of just started like, you know, it was behind a pseudonym because I was working at the middle school at that time uh, when I first, first started. Wait, wait, we didn't finish talking about the middle school. The oh. Howard Middle School. The Howard Middle School. We, we got to talk about that. <sighs> you want to talk about? I mean, no, no, no. Just, okay, so. There's this middle school. Yes. This, that's Howard, this, yes. Howard has that's a on the high campus. performing. And when I was a, like my first three years at Howard, that was the biology building. Right. And then they were like, oh, we're opening a middle school. And we were just kind of like, huh? So you were there from day one. I was you there from day one. Right. I started working there the second semester that they were open. And they've had a lot of transition. They've had some issues, but it, it's really a top flight school. And, you know, through a lottery system, they get amazing kids. And it's from, it's from lower income families? Mixed, I'd say mixed. a mixture of lower income to, right. you know, kids in there who have parents who are teachers and professors and stuff but but for the most part just a really good cross-section of black dc kids and, and it's on the campus it's on the campus so you're like walking to the yard and you see little kids just kind of walking through. and most importantly they see you yes which is so mm. it's major you it's, know like i have some pictures on my phone because i had a so you know, essentially I, these kids would then go on um high school and then possibly come back to I have a few of my former Howard. students who are now going into their senior year at Howard some of wow. them are at Bowie some of them are you know like, like but it goes back to what you're saying about the images that we see of ourselves yes is very affirming absolutely and and, and kind of determines the, the path that we yeah. take in our lives I, I went to visit uh, Spelman and Morehouse uh, the AUC for the first time it was a couple weeks ago before school was out so maybe two months ago I just was in Atlanta and I was like I want to go see the campus I've never been and this girl walked well, up to me like Mama Jamila Mama Jamila I was her teacher at the Howard University Middle School of you get Mathematics old, you get old right? I, you felt, get... I felt old I was like <laughs> well, let me make sure I'm not looking at these little right. boys, you know, like I'm grown, grown yes. now. And, and she was, she's like student body president of her mm. junior year and just got elected for senior year. And I taught her at Howard. And just as she wow. saw black excellence for the two, the three amazing. years, she was in sixth, amazing. eighth grade, you know, amazing. and kept going with it. Yeah. So yes, shout, I, I, I you know, I, I have the, the highest of hopes for that school. So, so jumping forward, now you're doing your blog. Okay, so the, I'm doing the, my the blog. Beautiful struggler. Yeah, and so it kind of started with some of it was cultural criticism. You know, just kind of like, oh, this happened and I didn't like it. I want to respond. It was around the time of Hurricane Katrina, so I'm mm. sure I'd written some things about just kind of how I felt about that. And then some of them were just kind of funny stories about right. things that were happening in my life. So relationships being in, and relationships and like being in the grocery store and because I lived in suburban Maryland, right outside of DC, and I remember the the manager at the grocery store would always kind of give me. A little look, and I was like, "Hi!" And then one day he give you some extra groceries. I wish, shoot, I was so broke back then. (laughs) That would have helped out a lot. He handed so one day he hands me a note. I'm like, "That's so sweet." And the note was like, "You got some really beautiful legs." Uh. I was like, "This nigga just write that down." (laughs) Who writes that down? You wrote down street harassment. Like he he had a crush though. He had a crush. Yeah, that didn't. He he wasn't your type. No, he wasn't. He wasn't my type. And then instead of saying, "I think you're very pretty," and I'd like to take you out, he said, "You got some beautiful." Now, had he said that you were beautiful, would he had would he have had a chance? I wasn't attracted to him. Right. Okay. And to be honest, I think he was he was cute. Nice looking guy. He was a bit older, and like I was just kind of very twenty one and very like. 
I feel like the the older guy who would have excited me at 21 was probably not the grocery store manager. Right. You okay. know, like he just didn't seem, you know. So so at the time you wouldn't go out with a grocery store manager? At 21, probably not. Right, okay. You know, at, at 30, I need to hear the whole story. Like, the whole, you know, like the, you own so it. You, yeah, you own it. Or like you're the grocery <laughs> store manager who like has a podcast at night or some shit. Right. Like, exactly. exactly. Oh, okay. cool, what's the, you know, what's like, the hustle? It's a hot. What, right. What's your hustle? You know? So then you 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 eventually go viral, right? Yeah, it just kind of takes off. How, how, how did it go viral? You did you write a particular piece? I don't think there was one piece. I know there. I'll say the one that kind of really kind of took me to the next level. And I already had like a little following. I was already on Twitter and stuff. This might have been 2000 early. Okay, it was January 2009. President Obama had been elected, mm-hmm. obviously, and the inauguration was coming. I mm-hmm. remember I went back to D.C. for inauguration. And it was cold. It was oh, so cold. Oh my god, it was so cold. I was dating a guy who went to Howard, a little younger, and he was still at Howard. And I think his family went out there, and like I would try to go out there with some of my friends and turn back around. Like I went out there like six in the morning, underdressed, and like came back <laughs> and I and woke up in my friend's house. And I was like, "Did I miss it?" They're like, "Yeah, you missed." It. I was like, "What?" What? And they're like, "No, you didn't miss it." You okay, you, you I was so you. nervous. I still had to watch right. it on TV. Of course, it was too cold. But anyway, um, so you wrote a piece. I wrote about- a piece saying that white people should stay home because remember there was all this nervousness around like dc is a small city mm-hmm. I, I knew it well because i lived there for five years i'd say it's a big town it's a big town right it's a big town and right. so they were saying like oh 10 million people are expected to show up in dc like just some crazy number of people the city could not accommodate like there won't be enough bathrooms Doom the restaurants are gonna run out of food like they were just giving you this kind right. of scary thing yeah. and so i was like look white folks y'all have had 43 opportunities <laughs> <laughs> Stay to home. do this. Stay home. Y'all could have came out for Clinton. Right. You could have came out for Bush <laughs> twice. Like, come on, like, just stay home. And so Jezebel mm. picked it up because the editor in chief, who founding editor in chief of Jezebel, is a black woman who a lot of people didn't know that, which was interesting. Like, I don't think I knew it until this right. happened. You know, a few of them they thought it was funny, so mm. they like aggregated it, like, oh ha ha ha. These white girls were like, what? First of all, I've probably done more to elect the president than you have. Mm, I've the been entitlement up came out. Oh, the entitlement got ugly. And what if we said this to you? And blah 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 blah. And so it's just kind of like, uh, how do you no. respond when you're propelled on such a national platform unexpectedly? Unexpectedly. Well, and then and then and then you're thinking you scored the the the, the game winner. And then you start getting exposed to these. But you know, I didn't think I had scored the game when they posted it. I think. The Jezebels calling me out. I didn't realize they were like, no, we liked it. Like, right. it took them being like, no, we posted because we thought it was good. Right. You know, oh, like, you, I so thought, you were defensive when they. Yeah, I was immediately like, and I liked the Jezebel. I was right. a Jezebel fan, so I kind of felt turned on, like, oh man, I've been reading these girls and supporting y'all in a whole night. Yeah. So, and then they were like, no, 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 we're so sorry that this happened. Because the thing is, they're like, they're the people that are defensive, but there's also the people that are coming to my blog and calling me a nigger and a bitch mm. and all this mm. stuff. Because they're like, they're not logged into their Jezebel account. They're logged into their their other. They're ones. making new eggs. They're to... <laughs> making new eggs, right? So that was my first time at the rodeo. I've been back quite a few times. Quite a few times, and then. I want to I want to definitely talk about some of those ones. But but how did you feel? like being in the crosshairs and on the on on that platform it so it 
I was hurt. Right. Not in a, like, I'm taking this personally kind of way, but just kind of like, I know my values. I know and I'm I'm not a bigoted person who just hates white people and, and just wants to harm them or and, and for some sort of You're not about to get back. Yeah, I'm not about to get back. I'm about to get up. Right. You know what I'm saying? I also am as, about... As I think most of us As most are. of us are. And I also am about humor. And right. I was like, that was obvious satire, but it was satire to just kind of look. I mean, low-key, you can afford to miss this because... I can't say that the, anybody who looks like me has had this experience right. before. So I was kind of pissed off by it. And it's just kind of like that, the, the just insidious, disgusting nature of racism that you're constantly being told that you don't actually get it. We get it. No, no, we get it. We'll tell you when something's being racist. We'll tell you when it's racist. You know, Mike Brown getting killed. That's not racist. That's not racist. You right. know, and, and that you get that over and over again. So it's just kind of like, that's small compared to a Mike Brown, right? right like that, That's not a major thing. You know, just the same way, if I'm walking at Macy's on 34th Street and some woman clutches her purse, you know, and that's small. Like, how do you know it's racism? Maybe she just, you know, her arm was hurting or maybe, you know, she'd been robbed before. Maybe you just got too close to her, you know, but we know. Hmm. I'm like, I know that you're not doing that for the five, nine blonde chick who walks up right, behind right, you. Right, but right, when right. I walk up, I'm a big monster. Right. You know, and, it, it, and it's almost impossible to explain all of these millions of microaggressions. Yeah. To people that are totally oblivious, people, they just, which, is, which is the ess- which is the essence of what white privilege is, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, just not having right. to know, being able to get away with being willfully ignorant, deciding that you don't have to know, and when being confronted with with what is an obvious truth to other people, just being like, mm. yeah. Mm. So, so what what happens to your career now? You're you're, you're making noise. I'm making noise. So I'm You're getting office, featured on national platforms. I'm getting featured. I'm an office manager at an elementary school in Newark. I was living Are you in Brooklyn. Hi- and you're hiding your... I'm hiding it, you well, know, well, well, and that well, was... Were you Sister Told I was Sister Told you. Okay. It was my pseudonym. And that was the first of two jobs that I would eventually lose because I spent all day blogging and tweeting and working on this thing that I really cared about. Right. So I'm glad I lost that job and I'm glad I lost the one after. Because you weren't showing up or because... I was there. Right. It's just kind of like things aren't getting done. You're not really right. performing at the and rate you should be ball. because I'm writing. Right. So now I'm you're writing being for away. You're being carried away with your passions. I'm being carried away with my passions, you know. So the the first time I lost the job, I was kind of like, okay, I had a couple months to reset. I went out and found something else. I was not a, a program director for YMCA for two years. Mm. Um, and How was that? Program director uh, for YMCA. <laughs> I, I have so much admiration for people that work in nonprofit right. and that work with kids, and that's their passion. It wasn't mine. And right. I confused. One, I needed a paycheck. like So I could not just survive in New York without income number one number two you can't I, survive in new york with income right i'm barely making it now <laughs> yeah. you, said you gotta be rich to be poor you gotta, you gotta be rich, rich to, be to be poor here york, right. and two i love children and i'm passionate about black children and, and, and just children in general just having the things that they need and so i kind of felt like okay i can come and i can do this and i can pursue my passion and after a few months it was obvious that one thing was going to suffer and, and unfortunately it was a job so there's a part of me that to this day feels guilty that like no, don't feel. I like didn't that. provide what right. I should have mm. for those children. You know what I but mean? But you like, were providing what you were for yourself to grow. Yes, absolutely. and I, I think there's a um, there's a difference between following your mission yeah. and your passion and jumping into like the struggle, unnecessary struggle, right? That doesn't fit your life. Absolutely. You, you know, so you can't carry. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not your therapist, but yeah, you, you yeah. can't. No, but it's true. Right. It, it wasn't sustainable. It's not something I could have done for very long. So for about a year, almost a year, 
I was a full-time freelancer. Mm-hmm. Um, How was so that? It was difficult, you know. Um, I wrote for Essence's website. I wrote for Soul Train's website. I wrote for Clubs and Editor at Clutch. I wrote for... At one point, I just felt like all the black people on the internet, I just wrote for all of them. Right. You know. And did and you so, come out of... Did you, did you get rid of your secret identity i got rid of so at that i mean i think at this point i mean the fact that i was posting pictures and i was right. starting to occasionally have like a panel here so you were getting there. reckless so it was getting right re- well i i've been posting pictures all along to be right. frank i right. think once i joined twitter i may have i may have used my name it may have been like at sister told you but it says jamila Lemieux. Mm-hmm. like you know so i kind of started getting reckless and so then and so starting to pick up it was weird because i had these two very different lives so like i'd be at the y with my very modest salary a modest job and some, I mean, not that I'm not modest salary, modest job now, but you know what I mean? Right. Far more modest than, than where I am now. And I'd be like, so once a week, everyone, so my job was, I worked for, a, I worked for the Y, but I worked in a school. So the even though I had, what was it? The, the best? Bedford Stuyvesant okay. YMCA. So even though I had an office on site, like I typically was not physically in the Y, but once a week I had to be the manager on duty, which means I had to close the branch. I had to like, you know, if somebody falls off a machine, I had to file a report. <laughs> so people would recognize me. It'd be like, oh, that's just the told you. Yeah. What? Yeah. And she like, ship in the wild? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Brooklyn? And, and I also worked out there, too. <laughs> right. So, like, I'd be there without a uniform and stuff on. But when I was manager on duty, I think during the summer, like, during summer camp, I had to wear a shirt. That's right. what stressed me out. Because, like, during the regular school year, it wasn't as big a deal. Because I just walk around in my clothes and, you know. And blend. And blend. But then during the summer, I had to wear, like, the camp supervisor shirt. And I was like, I'm a camp, essentially a camp counselor. Right. Like, right, right. this is driving me crazy. Like, this is not what I got. Yeah, now now you, got, you got your cop. Costumes all, cause you're like, are you? Are you walking around the neighborhood. Slain? Are you Supergirl? Right. Like, are it you Wonder like, Woman? It felt like all of that. It felt like all of that. Like I had to walk around the neighborhood with the kids, even though I didn't like have a group. I supervised a group, so right. I had to go like be with the kids, and so which means I couldn't be at the computer all day. Right, so right, I'm like right, tweeting right. and stuff, walking with the kids. It was just a mess. One day I'm going to make a lot of money, and I'm going to write a check to the Bedford Stuyvesant YMCA for the full amount of two years of my salary. Okay, that, like that, that is in my that sounds, head. That, that one very day honorable. I am going to right. hear is. Here, take it back. So eventually they let you go. Yes. Yes, they did. And uh, and you're back to freelancing. And I'm back to freelancing. Right. And so I'm freelancing, I'm freelancing, and I'm at an event. Michaela Angela Davis, mm-hmm. who is my mentor, uh, she had like a some sort of intergenerational conversation or something where she, you know, she brings in some of her peers. So women in their 40s and 50s, early 50s, um, they're industry chicks to kind of talk to younger girls. And so like there's a big group of us that are in our 20s. And then she also had like, you know, some teenagers that we were mentoring. So just really kind Gener- of. I like that. Yeah. Generational. Absolutely. It was, it was it was really dope. And so she has one and she brings in Karen Mayo. So Karen Who Mayo, I absolutely adore. Yes. Since when she was she was on the ground floor of the source. Yes. Magazine Mind Sauce. Kiana Mayo wow. is amazing. She is amazing. Amazing. And so amazing. And so much to come to, from, and, and for her soon. So anyway, she has an event with Kiana. I was also the founder of Honey Magazine. Yes. And co-founder of, of co-founder, uh, yes. yes, with Joyce Lynn Dingle, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I love them both so very much. Kiana, she has an event. Kiana is the guest speaker. So at the end, I, I walk up to Kiana and I extend my hand. She says, I love your writing. Wow. wow. I'm just like floored. Now, I think I'd raised my hand and answered, asked the question. Michaela right. had called me out by name. So I don't think it was just that she recognized my face, but she knew who I was. Right. And so 
you know, we stay in touch. We talked about this project that she wanted to do. And, you know, like she's taking me out to dinner. She had like my ex-boyfriend was going to do like some stuff for her. Like she was really like, I'm starting this magazine, blah, blah, blah. And so meanwhile, so I'm freelancing. I'm at the grocery store and I see a copy of Ebony. And I'm like, this looks good. Like I have this magazine has not been compelling to me in a very long time. This looks good. I'm like, this is a magazine. What's the website talking about? So I go to the website. The website's not good. I'm like, okay, there's no way that the magazine looks like this. And the, and the website, website looks, looks like, like that. This, right. There's a plan. Like, surely something's coming. So I start calling HR. I'm calling HR. Can't get anybody on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so I have a little reminder on my phone once a week. I call Ebony. And so then... I get and this is around two, 2010, right? It's 2010. Yep. It's summer 2010. Mm-hmm. No, no. Summer 2011. 2011. Summer 2011. Okay. So I get a call. I mean, I get a um, message from Karen on Facebook. So we hung out and stuff. For whatever reason, I don't know why she didn't have my email address, but like she hits me on Facebook. Like, I know this is going to sound crazy. I am the new editorial director of Ebony's website. Mm-hmm. I'm hiring two editors and I want you to be one of them. Nice. She had no idea that I had been trying to get hired. Wow. There. So that's amazing, right? Here we are almost four years later. Right. And, you know, I've since been promoted to, I started off as News and Lifestyle. Working editor. with an, uh, you know, quote unquote iconic. Iconic. Iconic magazine. Wow. Iconic, magazine. iconic magazine brand. So I, I, I've, you know, I, I've been there for almost four years and very happy. I've had some good times and some difficult ones. Let me ask you now, working at this iconic brand, yes. right? And you kick up so much shit. Yes. Some, so much shit that I'm sure. They're not accustomed to this shit. Uh, yes. How does that weigh on you? Do you have to, in a sense, self-censor yourself? Do you find yourself second-guessing yourself? Because I, I can imagine, and we're going to go through some of the shit that you raised. Well, it's not, not too much. Not There's too so much. There's so many but, other things yeah, that we can go through. But I'm saying, but, 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 but you, you, you raise shit on a national I, level. Yeah. I, I think both parties have learned to find a happy medium. Right. I think that embracing and understanding millennial voices is difficult for people that are not typically used to raising certain issues and and, and hearing certain people out. I've also learned, you know, with with not great power, but with with any sort of power comes responsibility. I'm very proud to work where I work. I, I, I take that extremely seriously. I want to be a gatekeeper. I want to be somebody who makes this brand proud. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to compromise. I don't want to compromise it. But I also think, to be entirely fair, a lot of the dust that I've kicked up had to do with a very sustained, dedicated attempt at silencing strong black female voices. Mm. You know, and that's something I'd way rather talk about than talk about any sort of particular right. controversy as it relates to me. Right. Just the idea that, like, Strong black women are not supposed to be vocal or that black women should not be strong or that we should not have any sort of power. And so the folks who've had issue with the things that I've said and have kind of tried to raise it in a way that, you know, that they've challenged where I get to work or where I get to be on TV. They don't they're not black and they don't like black women anyway. Right. And they're not supporting. They're not interested in black institutions. They're not interested in black voices. But but you but know, you're we get a th- back are to- you a threat? So you think they view you as a threat? They see us as a threat the same way that they see President Obama as a right. threat, the same way that they see a Beyonce or a Jay-Z as a threat. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a cultural influencer or leader in the way that those people are, but there are people that are just very uncomfortable with challenging the status quo. The right. status quo is white supremacy and patriarchy. You know, I, I challenge both of those things because I enter a space as a feminist and as somebody who's anti-racism, you know? And so... 
You could be a professor. Look at what's happening with Saida Grundy yes. at, at Boston University. Right. Um, look at, you know, what happened with Melissa Harris Perry mm-hmm. when she someone on her show made a joke about Mitt Romney's mm-hmm. grandson. It wasn't her. It was one of her guests, you know, but just that that was it wasn't so and much about And the lynch mob what, came out for her. Absolutely. Right. It wasn't just about what was said. It was about the idea that she had a show in the first place. You know, let me ask you, and, and then we'll go into the whole like the, the black feminist thing and, you know, the how much discontent that creates, you mm-hmm. know. But do you think there's a specific agenda to silence black women's voices or black people's voices collectively? I think so. I'll say I think that there's both. Right. I mean, you could say it's collectively, but I, I think that when it comes to black women's voices, the difference is one, someone tries to silence a black man. Black women are a little bit more likely to step up and right. say, I don't want this to happen to you. I want to protect you from saying. it. Right. And I think when it comes to a black woman, and of course, it depends on what her messaging is. I think that there are sometimes black men that are either so silent that they just let it happen, like, you know, or that they're participating because they, too, want us silent. Mm. And so what is I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, you know, this schism I see particularly on social media, particularly on Twitter, mm-hmm. about black feminists and black men. And and you came up with the brilliant hashtag, Black Powers for Black Men. Yes. Like, what is this schism? I'm still trying to understand this schism. Okay. So, and I'll explain the hashtag, because I think some people kind of saw it and took it quite literally right. that I was saying that black power belongs to black men right. or that black which, men. If which me, I didn't so, read it that way. Yeah, but, but some people did, you know. Um, you got a lot of sensitive ass motherfuckers on Twitter. A lot of sensitive ass on Twitter. And, I, yeah, and I, I'm not the most natural. I mean, I think I'm sensitive in general. Like right. if someone tells me I'm really hurt by this, I'm confused. I'm like, oh, well, let, let, let's talk about it. You know, but that's a little bit different offline than it is online. Right. So there was a hashtag prior to that that Mickey, the brilliant Mickey Kendall, who's a feminist writer, sister also from Chicago, uh, came up with, which was Solidarity is for for White Women. women. And it basically talked about how, you know, when something happens to a white woman, particularly in in particular, it was in reference to some sort of, I think, online harassment that it happened to a white feminist. It's like when something happens to you all, there's articles, there's tears, there's hashtags. Oh, Lord, everybody, all the women got to jump in. You know, white women's tears are magic. White women's tears. Magic kryptonite for common sense. <laughs> like the entire world, even I have to check myself. Like, why am I being so nice to her just because she's crying? Right, right. I, you know, I, I think there's too many white girl tears and not enough black tears. Mm. Period. You know, we need they need to cry less. We need to cry more, right. black men and women. Yes. Um, but if everybody's kind of treats you like a weeping willow, like you know, it's our job to make sure that you're safe and protected and nurtured. And when, whenever that feels like it's challenged, you you are gonna cry. Right. You know, we're not made to feel like we can, especially not you all. But neither do we, right? So, and I was like, you know what? One day, I was like, one day we really need to do black powers for black men. Like, why are we talking about you know? Because all brothers love solidarities for white women. And I like them black, fem- you know, them, them <laughs> white feminists up. Like, uh, speaking of right. social justice movements and speaking of marginalizing voices, we're not always allowed to feel um, empowered or supported by brothers who think of themselves as being black nationalists, black power, black, you know, whatever. And then that conversation got like, wait, 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 what? You know, it was fine when you were talking about white people and white right, women. Right, right. Now you're talking about us. And so, you know, there's some examples raised of how, you know, there have been attempts to make black male leaders the most prominent 
leaders in, in, in movement spaces because they should be right. right not just because like oh it just so happens it's so and so like yeah Martin Luther King was obviously built to be Martin Luther right. King like he was a charismatic rhetorical leader Philip Agnew was meant to be Philip right. Agnew because that is who he is but then again so was, so was Shirley Chisholm so was Shirley Chisholm right and, and that okay speaking of Shirley Chisholm Red Fox had a joke about Shirley Chisholm that was really disgusting about how he'd rather have like Jane Fonda or somebody mm. running for presence because he'd rather look at her. Mm. And just that like, now granted comedy is a, a, a difficult and complicated place where you say nasty things about all sorts of people. So there's certainly been jokes about Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson or, or even a Malcolm or a Martin, right. right? But just that he didn't understand, like, what Shirley Chisholm represents right. is something that I should not attack in that way to compare her physically to a white woman who's known to be a glamorous actress, right? right? right, right that right, he right. didn't know, like, mm, she means more than I can't, right. not right now. I, I can't I can't that. do this, right. right? Even Cornel West, when he got into it with, or you know, Cornel West has deep-seated issues with Melissa Harris Perry mm-hmm. that he didn't recognize. You know what? Maybe I don't like Melissa from when we were together. I, Cornell, do not like Melissa. Melissa having that show on MSNBC means the entire world to black women, yes. to a lot of black yes. women and girls. Right. I'm just not going to be the one to say that what I don't like about her. I can keep that to myself. I can keep that to my academic circles. I can keep that to the bar. It's personal. Right? It's personal. You know, and if you don't think that she's the, the stellar academic that you believe her to be, fine. You know, you've affirmed Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. You've affirmed Tavis Smiley. Like, mm-hmm. you've affirmed other people that are complicated and layered. But Melissa is the person who you're just like, absolutely not. I'm writing you off. You're disgusting to me. You know, and to me, it kind of gets to the point, like, who gets to participate in black solidarity? Right, 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 right. And and you've written that, you know, oppression is oppression is oppression. Right. And when you're fighting for the struggle, you know, it's a fine line between fighting for that struggle and us being black men being the oppressor to black women. Right. You know, I, I saw an ugly side last summer. I, I hated that whole thing about, you know, my brother's really like trying to defend catcalling yeah i mean that shit was crazy to me it's yeah. like that shit was crazy to me because and and i'm not saying once again i'm not saying that i'm this enlightened dude that gets it because yeah. my wife has to call me out on my sexist shit right but you know the fact that i see my wife going through that and i envision like my daughter going through that it's like motherfuckers like y'all think that shit is okay that shit is yeah. corny yeah. I, I, that shit is corny it's, it's not it's not even oppressive it, right. it's so oppressive yeah. But that shit is it's corny. Whack. It's like, this is what you think right. is supposed to make somebody yeah. want to be with oh, you? Oh, you, you caping now, nah, nigga? I'm not caping. That shit is corny. <laughs> and I just, I could not believe, and it's funny because I, I I was out with a gentleman earlier. Right. And we, he asked, you know, I had mentioned that I identified as a feminist. And he was like, so that video. I was like, I already know what you're going to say. You know, that video. And I said, I took issue with it too. This is the, the Stop Street Harassment yes. Organization made this video. The I Hollaback made this video. And it was like, they followed a woman around. New York City for 10 hours. A white woman actress. with all the black dudes. A and, white and woman. People and then admitted like, oh yeah, some white dudes cat called her, but we edited it edited out because out, you yep. couldn't really hear them. <laughs> like, are you Come on, come me? on, come on. And I was like, and that just like that a white woman got to be the face of cat calling in New York City. And I'm like, this is Crazy. somebody who ostensibly just got here from Madison, And Wisconsin. they don't get called out Not like our nearly sisters like we do. Because the difference, and I said, I was like, the difference is a white girl might get like, yo baby, yo baby, yo baby. And then it's done. Right. Like you don't respond it's over. I was like, 
fuck you stupid bitch you black oh, bitch you you're not you that think, pretty yeah, 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 yeah. you think you're cute like just how like immediately we just get destroyed not mm. by every cat caller you know but by but, a lot of them right. enough of them that it, that i know the script right 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 you know and, and i could not believe now as bad as the video was and i was offended and like people like myself and feminista jones who's also a very outspoken kind of polarizing feminist figure we immediately were like this video is racist as hell yes. hell yeah. like this looks awful like i see what you were trying to do but you failed you should have had a black woman and you should have let all those white men in there or you should have had multiple women mm-hmm. you know but just for it to have it be this one woman and some of what was on there to me wasn't street harassment it was unwanted attention it was just kind of like somebody just like hey good morning like come on you lay you left hey good morning that in the check video? went up bing, and then bing, yeah. but that's the thing is for people who already were not feeling the whole feminist cause that's right. all they needed that right. was like see see just trying to criminalize black men being men and, and, and y'all gonna make it so you know niggas getting locked up we're saying good morning to you and, 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 doesn't that drive you because you're fighting a battle on yeah. so many fronts yeah that in a sense I don't. I have the privilege of not having to fight it on that. Yeah, you know, isn't that drive you crazy? It does. It's hard. That was really like there are a few things because you know Twitter. We we be on there a lot, and I take days. I like I haven't really been around last few days. Like you take breaks and stuff, but when you you're some, on there, some, a lot, some mental it days. Kind of neat. Like I just kind of I didn't even realize I hadn't really been around. Right. You know, just kind of like oh. You know. You know, this is cool. <laughs> I'm not there. But like when you're on there a lot, there are conversations that get emotional. There are mm-hmm. things that are funny. You know, you kind of you grieve together. You hashtags mm-hmm. and some painful stuff together. You laugh together. That really hurt. But, there, but then but, but there are times where you're just kind of active on there, but you can still put your phone away and just be like that for me was difficult because I was like, this is something that I've believed in and stood firm on for years. Mm years the whole cat calling street harassment like i remember before we called it street harassment you were just it was just like dudes trying to holler right, right? Or, or, or just dude making you, yo ma or what just dudes ma? making you feel uncomfortable right. in your skin and i've experienced it since i was 11 or 12 mm. years old like i'm tall. which is crazy i've always been tall i don't think being tall means that you look older because if you look at somebody you mm-hmm. know and if people tell me that i don't look quote unquote i don't look 30 now i'm like well i certainly didn't look 30 when I was 12 or 15, you know, but full grown men, you know, felt very comfortable approaching me. You know, now that I am 30, it's like, I still get it. I get it when I'm out with my daughter. I get it when I'm out with my mother. You know, I get it pretty much anytime that I'm not out with a man. Right. And we're telling you like, this is uncomfortable. That's, that's what I don't get because you're telling us. We're telling you, look, we don't like this. And men are like, but you complaining about being single. How are you supposed to meet somebody? You're an idiot. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like You're how are you saying cat calling? Like how obtuse can you be, you fucking big head idiot? <laughs> just, and the thing is, my thing, you know, no. and I, I, I think that I tend to be not a moderate feminist. Like I think my values are very hardcore, but just in kind of how I communicate, I try to. I, I'm not a you got to hear both sides person. I'm somewhere in the middle. Right. Like I'm not just like f this, f this, f this. But I'm not just like oh, I just want men to feel comfortable and happy. But I'm just kind of like look, look, I want you to understand it. Right. I want you you want to be understood. I want to be understood. You know, I'm not preaching to the choir. Like I could sit around and talk to other feminist chicks all day and like what has shifted. Right. Like what's better for anybody. But I'm just like dudes have to understand like. You might have to take the L on Good Morning, Ma. Yeah. That may seem so innocuous and so innocent. Yeah, one dude was like, I'm just, I, I, they don't want to hear that shit. Like, yeah, Good Morning, Ma, you're beautiful. They don't want to hear that. Yeah, like, I'm tired. I'm on my way to work. And, and uh, I, I remember out. I tweeted, I didn't I didn't mean to diss, you know, the, 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 the gay community, but yeah. I was like, you, you're defending harassment. But let a gay guy holler at you. Yeah. And you will know what harassment is. Absolutely. Yeah. Those same guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, if they they, they were get, pro- What? What? Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers yeah. are what? 
Yeah, I'm strong. Walk down the street. How dare you, son? Like, you, all the homophobia, you, the nastiness exactly. would come out. And, right. and even if they don't consider themselves homophobic, they would still have that moment where they're like, you don't get to make me feel like a piece of meat. You don't right. get to make me feel like I'm on display. Right. But that's what you all do. Yep. That's what you do. And if you're so socially awkward, that I'm like, yo, they got Tinder. They got all types of stuff. Now, like, if you can't approach women on the street in the right way, you don't if have you can't to. Relate, if you can't relate you to women as grind, going grinder. Pause. <laughs> you know about cool crap. Hey, come on, man. Nah, nah, nah. So there um, are lots of places to meet people, right? That you want to meet, of course. Now, now let's talk about some issues. Okay. Some current issues. How do you feel about this whole thing about Harriet Tubman on the hmm. on the twenty dollar bill? Because that's been a very hot topic. It is a hot topic. I have mixed feelings about it. There's mm-hmm. a part of me that's just like, I just want to see black women represent. We deserve something. Like we still not on the Supreme Court. Like mm-hmm. we 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 just got some that's stuff right, that's, that's old right. to us. Right? We didn't get like I we love got, we got sort of my own. I love we, her, but yeah. I, there was. I'm not even gonna lie. I was like, I thought we were next. Right. You know, like we got skipped in the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Which goes back to what you're saying about the silence in the black woman's voice. Yeah, yeah, like you know, especially and then just also considering how problematic and traumatic the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill case was. Just and there are a lot of people not. Did something age, just come out recently gonna, about his wife demanding an apology? I think for, I think it came back up, but this right. was a few years ago. Okay. His wife, I think they aired the documentary because right. the documentary came out like a year or two ago about about it. And there's a movie coming out soon, mm-hmm. so it's gonna all come back up like in the next year or so. But his wife had the nerve to call Anita Hill like two years ago and demand an apology. You know, Anita has. You tweeted never, something today about she, yeah. You, she I have said, to get the, she has come she get, get these get hands. Yeah. Well, sure, she can come get these hands because Anita's never recanted. She's never come back right. and said this isn't what actually happened. She's like, this is what happened. This is my story. Right. This is my life. And Take- I mean, you can't judge a book by its cover, but Clarence Thomas is a reptilian so, motherfucker. Come on, this he is, is not reptilian. A good but you know what's crazy? And again, you know, we're we were very young when this yes. happened. There were a lot of black folks who just felt like we needed a brother on the Supreme mm. Court to report. And this was bigger than yeah, her. Yeah, this right. was bigger than her. And we need a brother. And I kind of remember that sentiment also. I remember hearing that. I think that might have, and I, I was eight. Mm. I was really little. But I remember that might have been the beginnings of my feminist foundation. Because I remember hearing my second grade teacher who I loved and admired and just she meant the world to me. And I remember her hearing some saying her hearing her like talking to another teacher in the hallway. And I remember thinking like. But that's not okay. That's not right. Like, didn't he do something good? Because I remember my mother, who, you know, only recently kind of started to identify as feminist. I remember her kind of explaining to me, like, this man was accused of doing some very nasty things to this lady who worked for him, you know? And when she kind of explained him, I was like, yeah, I was supposed to do these things. That's not nice. You know, and, and the way that he kind of portrayed her when he was on the trial and Joe Biden, who mm-hmm. people have embraced as Uncle Joe, was like, don't mm-hmm. forget Joe Biden's role in all this. Hmm. But... The idea that people, black men and women, prioritize having a black man on the Supreme Court. And it wasn't that he was a Barack Obama type. He wasn't somebody who made you no, feel that shit came back to, that shit That came back what? to bite us yeah. in our ass. Nobody has hated us more than Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Nobody, the Uncle, way he talked about... Uncle, 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 Uncle Ruckus, right? Uncle Ruckus. Uncle Ruckus. <laughs> literally Uncle Ruckus. The way he's talked about no. his sister, mm. you know, who was no. on food stamps and, and welfare. And, and we come to find out that she's caring for elders in the family. And, and the way he wrote her off and made her sound like a welfare queen quote unquote let me tell you i hung out one weekend with clarence thomas wow this was at a uh law school ceremony at tulane and mm-hmm. he was the keynote speaker because his niece was graduating from from tulane wow and when you hang out with the guy he talks like he understands the struggle they he always talks do. like he they I always re- do. i remember the opportunities that i didn't have because i was black 
And, you know, I got relegated to go work with the Energy Commission because that was the play, that was the graveyard, which eventually ended up being a plus for him becoming a Supreme Court justice. And I was like, is this the same guy that's yeah. out here? He seems scornful. like. But I thought, I, yeah, but that. when you're in his presence, I'm like, he what gets it. But what the fuck, man? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's. That, so, yeah. so anyway, uh, Tubman. So the, Tubman. So we're all over the place. It's all over Jamila, the place. Jamila, right. it's your fault. I love this. I love this. This is how I, I this how I, this is actually how I think. Okay. So this is perfect. I would love to see Harriet Tubman acknowledged as the American hero that mm-hmm. she is. Um, I don't know that somebody who was working to free slaves belongs on the symbol of capitalism. Mm. Which is what Feminista Jones really broke down. She broke that down very well, you know, just because capitalism drove slavery. Like, the Mm -hmm. reason that we are here in the first place, the idea that somebody could make a buck off of us. I, Raven Simone... Yeah, what's wrong with with your sister? You know what I hate? Uh, (laughs) No, she's from other places. She's not black. I thought she said she wanted to be something else. I honor that request. She's from every place except two countries on her continent. (laughs) (laughs) You know what drives me crazy about Raven Smith? She goes hard on mute, as they Mm. say. Like, I was watching The View on mute the other day. I was like, she is freaking gorgeous. I just want to look at her. Mm. I don't want her to ever, 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 ever ever speak again. But she's so pretty. I mean, I don't like the hair and I don't like the clothes, but everything in here and the body, like, I'm just like... Great features. Great, just stunning. Right. You know, I was happy to see her on Empire. Like, she was on Mm Blackish. I'm like, yeah, Raven, you're a good actress. Please stop talking. You know, and she's going to be the biggest, like, she's going to do this. Like, now... That's what she's paid to do. Now that's what she's she's paid to do. She's found her mark. She's found her mark. And... This is who she is. And this is also what happens, you know, just not have mm. any formal education. Grew up on mm. the Cosby Show mm-hmm. set. People aren't having these conversations mm-hmm. that we're having right mm-hmm. now with her. So so you're mixed with, with Harriet on the 20. On the, on the I, I got mixed feelings about I don't think she's I I, I don't think that it's going to happen. Right. I don't think that the U.S. You don't think America's ready for that? America hasn't apologized for slavery. We have Mm-mm. not gotten near reparation. I don't that's think not, that's 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 not. America and reparation mm, is right. Black America. 48, 48, 48, 48, 48 acres. 48 acres and a meal. We're not even getting an apology. I think the best we could hope for is an apology. And I think it's feasible. I think it's improbable. But I think it's, it, it's feasible. But, you know, I, I do. I disagree with Raven saying that it should be Harriet's hub, that it should have been Rosa Parks because we should it's move more current right, right. That's I bullshit. think it should be a politician right. I think that it actually at some point probably should be Barack Obama or maybe the first you know name is blanking I mean or you're gonna make the, the white people's black... heads explode that's yeah. too that's too that's it's, too current it's too current right. so that's why I'm also like it's not the fight to have right now but mm-hmm. I you know if it were a black person maybe it needs to be like the first black senator mm. You know, but, but yeah, I mean, also, uh, you know, the $20 bill thing is, it's so like low on the priority list. I know. I'm like, I know. Just... Um, you talk about Insta forgiveness. Yes. What is that? Insta forget. Well, just the idea that you say, you know, for example, the principal in Atlanta got up and, and says all these horrible things at the graduation mm-hmm. ceremony because she messed up. She forgot to call the valedictorian to the stage, which I'm just like, were you drunk? Like, she was off how, a rock. What a horrible ceremony is this that you're like, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. All the black people leave it? Yeah, all the black people leave it? <laughs> look, look at them. Look at them. Look at all the black people. You know, who's, am, you know who's amazing in that whole story, though, is her son. Oh, and he Yo, was like, "I'm ready for you niggas. Come niggas to my come house. Like, this is my address." Like, like that part of the story, I can't believe. <laughs> I love that. that. I, I can't love believe that. that didn't become a big story. Honest to racism. Me, me too. I me, love me. that. 
who you he's are. He's about it. He's so bad. <laughs> I wanted everyone to go up. He's so lucky that nobody showed right, up right. his house with a camera crew and a smack DVD and whatever. That got, that got swept world under star. the rug, right? It got, I thought it was going to, yeah, he was setting up a world star video. Today, like, I'm, today I got time, cuz. Like, <laughs> no, like... So it's glad that was Atlanta, not New York. I'd have showed up. <laughs> yeah. I'd have showed up. So anyway, instant forgiveness. Instant yeah. forgiveness. Just this the idea that like, all right, so she did it and then she was like, I'm sorry. And then we're supposed to, oh, all right, you're forgiven. No. No, we no. need time to, do, we, to just talking? go through I need to. I need you to prove that that's not who you are. Yeah. Because right now, that's who you are. Like, it to me, that is exactly who you are in that moment when you said, look at all the black people. You mean to tell me? She was like, that was just the devil speaking me. No, yeah. ma'am, you're the devil. You're the devil. You know, what I don't understand <laughs> is this uh, ungodly expectation for black people to be so forgiving in oh, one wait. of the most unforgiving countries Absolutely. on the planet. America doesn't forgive shit. Nothing. I'll tell you who it doesn't forgive is us. No, not at all. Right? So you it definitely doesn't forgive OJ. <laughs> I mean, they still well, still going at. It. Well, to be fair, OJ was accused of murdering two people, and a lot of people believe he did it. Yes. So, well, so. OJ was kind of funny styles too, but still, though, they, yeah, they were mad about OJ. They didn't like him before. Right. R.I.P. Johnny Cochran. So yeah, I, you know, I, I've never been Team OJ, but I will say that that is an example of yes. how. One person is not given, you know, he, uh, you know, he was tried. He was, you know, found innocent. He had to let him go. Like that did not work for him the way no. that it works for other people. Um, and if, if in fact he is guilty of that crime, then I, I don't have any sympathy for him. Right. But, you know, just this idea that a cop kills a, a kid and we're supposed to forgive right away. And then the victim's mother is, you know, pushed forward and she has to do this whole my Christianity, I, I, I my faith. That. I forgive. I, I hate pray. that. I hate that. Let me tell I, you. I'm not forgiving nobody. Never, ever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you who I have not forgiven the killers of any of those young people. I have not forgiven George Zimmerman. I have no. not com- forgiven Tamir, Darren Tamir, Wilson. I have not com- Rice. F- forgiven the killers. What's the killer brother on the Walmart? Right. John Crawford. Absolutely. I've oh, never shit, forgive man. the killer of Ayanna Jones. I'll never forgive the killer uh, of Tamir Wright. Like, any of these people. I, Jamila, will never, and I don't care what, there's nothing you can do to make me forget. And if that ever happens to a member of my family, you don't want to see me on TV. Mm-hmm. You won't see me on TV because you won't be able to find me. And yeah, that's so, all I'm going to say some, because some, I'm not going to be out here leading no march. Yeah, some brother was on um, Twitter this week like, like I can't, if, if, if you're supporting George Zimmerman getting shot, then I you're similar God to the watching. animals. Yo. That that support. I was like, yo, what are you Nobody's ta- talking about? Like, like, first for, of all, he's not dead. Yeah. You know, second of all, the reason that the guy got off from shooting at him is because it was considered self-defense, mm-hmm. which because why? Ground. Because George Zimmerman also had a gun mm-hmm. right. that was confiscated after that. That's the thing. Do you know how like wild for the night you had to be that somebody could shoot at you and they get off and you get to walk away because you had either one, you're black, mm-hmm. <laughs> or two, you're the white guy with a gun. And mm-hmm. that's what George Zimmerman has become. And it, nice. it's just, no, he, he's a ne- ne- nefarious character. You've killed already. You've been accused of beating women how many times? Like you got more mug shots than Michael Jordan has rings. Mm-hmm. And somebody's supposed to feel bad because you got a hit got with shot his last, nah. got shot at. Nah, man. It, karma, karma's ready for him, man. Karma's Karm- waiting. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about this whole Bill Cosby thing? Hmm. <laughs> uh, Want some more water? No, I'm very clear. I've spoken about this at length a few times. Um, let me share with you. Okay. Um, at first, I was like, "It's fucked up." I definitely believe in where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Yeah. Right. 
And then it kind of got real surreal, the amount of women. Yeah. And then Janice Dickerson, it was just like it's weird. It was like a clown car. It yeah. was more than Tiger Woods had mistresses. It but was... then the latest accuser, uh, Lily Bernard, mm-hmm. is my friend. Like, I went to school with her. Wow. And I remember, like, the big thing when we were in school was, like, she was on the Cosby show. Yeah. And she's the one that's pursuing criminal charges mm-hmm. in Jersey because Jersey doesn't have a statute of limitations. Yeah. On 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 and it's like it's it's you don't want to say it, but, yeah, well, but there's a lot of smoke, Bill. Well, no, there when there's smoke, there's fire, and this is the there's no smoke, there's no fire, there's ashes mm. at this point. Like mm. the building is gone, right? There's there's a faint whiff that you can smell the smoke in the air. It's gone, like. Right. I can't imagine circumstances under which this isn't true, unfortunately. And it has felt like a death in the family because I grew up watching Uncle Bill. It's Uncle Bill. It It hurt. hurt. You grew up watching the Cosby show. You grew up watching and Little Bill and Fat Albert and all these other things. And Uptown Saturday. You know, it took me. It was a few months in before I was like, damn, Uptown Saturday night and a piece of the action. And let's let's do it again. Like, oh, man. Sidney Poitier is looking at him like, brah. But then the story, and there are stories I've heard about Bill Cosby that I won't repeat here, Mm -hmm. but things I've heard that I'm just like, you are a wild dude. Like, you were completely out here outside of being accused of drugging and raping women. Just the way you conducted yourself as a married man and somebody who has positioned himself Mm. as the the black family. Not even just a representative of the black family, but just the, the moral authority. Authority on black family life. They're like, and I, you know, I, I actually had the privilege of being on the Larry Wilmore, uh, the nightly show mm-hmm. on the second episode. Funny enough, I had on the same dress. I haven't worn it since, but Uh-oh. I didn't think there was going to be camera. But um, the, the topic. We can, we can change the color, right? The topic, we can change the color <laughs> in post production. But um, the, the topic was Bill Cosby. Mm. And I talked about how at the time in which I got pregnant, there was a sense of guilt that I had around just kind of letting down this ideal of like, because I said when I didn't care, I've never judged other single mothers. I've never judged other people's choices. I mean, if you're just particularly reckless and irresponsible and and don't take good care of your kids, that's one thing. But just in general, I'm just like, that's how you want to become a mother. That's what you want for yourself. How can we support you? And what do you need? And are you good? And are you happy? That wasn't what I wanted for myself. I wanted to be Claire. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was actually in the early beautiful struggle. Because we bio. all we all wanted to be Bill. We all wanted to be the Huxtables. Yes. Like in my early beautiful struggler bio, it was like a hip hop. What was it? A hip hop Denise Huxtable who dreams of growing up to be Claire. Like you know, that was literally like the corny way in which I wrote. You know, like and, how and, I describe myself. It's funny when I describe my family up yeah. until this Bill shit. I was like. I'm I'm like the 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 not rich. Yeah, we're the not rich. You know, we're right. the we're the everyday the Cosby's, the everyday the Cosby's. They but, set the standard, yeah. but not they not set the standard. Now not anymore. Like, he dropped is, the bar. What, 80, what is it? Eighty years old now? Late seventies. So, so anyway, yeah, good, yeah. so yeah, it just it. I felt so hurt or disappointed in myself right. that I just kind of let this person down. And then even with the stuff like I. Other people, like when Bill, when he started doing the pound cake speech and stuff, and he was going from school to school, and he spoke at Howard around that time, and I went. I remember, you know, Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen introduced him, and some in the audience, like, tears running down my, because, like, a different world. I was like, Damn. why? I went to Howard, right? right? So it's like, cause my family, I was the first college graduate in, like, my immediate family, so it was, like, a very big deal for me to be there, and I grew up watching a different world, and I was like, I'm going to a black school. I'm going to a black school. I want this. And I'm there, and it's like, these are the three people who helped bring me to where I'm at, Right. 
and, and when he kind of gets doing the whole personal responsibility, pull up your pants thing, like other people were just like, F Bill Cosby, I'm over him, over him. I wrote him a letter mm. and I said, I think that you should. I wanted to go on tour with him. I wanted. I felt that he needed a young person to kind of help balance, balance him out. And right. I said, I think you really believe. You're I, lucky you didn't. I'm so lucky need some, need that I didn't coffee. go. <laughs> right? He didn't oh. offer me some espresso. Mm. But like I literally. But I was like, yo, like I believe that you you have the community's interest in mind, and I think that you just kind of need a young person to kind of help tuning, you, just a little tuning, right. and just kind of, and also just kind of help you know get people into what you're saying. And I didn't get a response. I went through like his fans or whatever it was. Like I didn't know how. To really get in touch with Bill Cosby <laughs> at this point, and and then when all this came out, I was like, "You let us down. You're, you're you're like it's so much deeper than just like finding out that like your dad cheated on your mom. It's like this guy is allegedly a serial rapist. No, I, serial I, I heard rapist. on Howard Stern. Howard Stern was like, "This is the most amazing movie. Like this of guy is like the most." familiar family guy and he's a serial rapist yeah and not even just like i brought her back to the room and i was convinced that because she came back to the room she wanted to do it serial serial with drugs yeah not even because again i'm not saying that's a movie that's like i'm drugging you so i know that i'm raping you like there's no like you came back to the room what do you mean you didn't want to do it just in case you weren't (laughs) sure i'm putting the shit in your coffee I'm sure you're that's, sure, that's but I'm crazy. more sure that, that, than you're that's sure. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read a story that you wrote earlier on in your in your uh, professional career, and you talked about the history of Hennessy. Yes. <laughs> Do you, and you like Hennessy. You I, drink, I love Hennessy. Tell us about this rich history of Hennessy, Hennessy. and black people. <laughs> and we're not promoting alcoholic beverages, but... I love this story. That's so. I told this story to somebody earlier. Funny enough, um, Hennessy has a really rich uh, his, history in the black community, uh, dating back to the first company, and the name is blanking on me. That later became Moa Hennessy. The the very first president of that company, uh, William J. Shefflin, had a deep concern for the conditions of laborers. This is during the labor movement and mm-hmm. black laborers in particular. So if, if, you know, white laborers are struggling, black laborers are dying. Yeah. And so <laughs> he helped to create the organization that would become the National Urban League, right. which was founded to address the needs and concerns of black laborers. And it's, and, 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 and Mr. William J. Shefflin is, is a white man. It's a white man. Okay. So in addition to that, Part of the reason that black people are so into Hennessy, if you go back to World War II and black soldiers over in France, the French loved anything American. Yes. And they loved black Americans. They, they were the so American. into yep. us. And so the black soldiers were treated better oftentimes by the French than they were by the white soldiers from the U.S. who they came of course, with. Of course. So they'd introduce them to cognac. And right. then Hennessy placed the first spirit ads in Ebony and Jet. First. Yeah. And this is at a time when it was very hard to get folks who advertise in these, you know, rare black magazines at that point. So I think I might have to switch back to, to the brown. Yeah. To the, to yeah, the brown. Not him. No. Brown, won't you? No. No. What not do you him, drink? Not him. Oh, what do you drink? Last no, time, no, no. I get I get it. You I don't drink? It. No, I drink. <laughs> so what but do you I, drink? I, I drink, you know, goose. I drink. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Vodka, I, I drink vodka because yeah. when I drink the brown, it, it bring, I, I, I fight. You fight. I fight, okay. and and King is a witness. Hashtag raise the bar. Oh. <laughs> raise, raise them, raise them bars. <laughs> you know, but I might have to do that because of the, the culture. Henny's cool though. Henny's, Henny's cool when you, cool. you mix it. Mix it. Gotta you mix it. Henny. People mix it more now than they used to. It's a it's a great mixer. Um, what do these words mean to you? Okay. Right, fight, and love. 
right? Fight and love. That is who I am. That is what I do. That was a tagline for my site early on. And then this, that's, you know, I, I write because I, I, I need to, because I have these things and feelings that I need to express. I'm fighting, I believe, with my writing um, and my voice for a better life for our people. And everything I do is an expression of love. The bigger question is, do you really believe in change? I absolutely do. You know, I, 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 are we getting huge, profound, measurable change in five years? No, no. but I think even just in the, the four or five years that I've been on Twitter, that I've seen the conversation around something like straight harassment change. I've seen guys who were not really pro-women in their politics kind of evolve to a point where they're like, I hate that you... Not even just soften, just evolve. Just get to a point where they're like, I hate that you feel uncomfortable when you walk down the street. I don't like that. And I can can challenge that now. You know, so I I, I do believe in change. I do. You know, it's it's hard to, because of the enormity of the whole situation but i think you're right it, it it really is a step by step thing the fact that the country is even discussing police reform whereas Absolutely. five yeah. years ago it was totally impossible yeah. so i guess i have to be more hopeful i guess i'm impatient though you know it's hard as we should be right. you know and i think that our impatience like we've been waiting we've been waiting a long time and i think our impatience to push us not to stop fighting you know, but but to be insistent that we mm-hmm. have to say it has to come. We can't just, you well, know. Look what's happening that's allowing that, though. It's like you know, all these deaths, yeah. you know. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. A couple of years ago, a couple of our friends yeah. that support the Combat Jack show, they kind of made me feel a little, they kind of tried to make me feel guilty about why I was relentless talking about white privilege. Hmm. And this is before it got hmm. hot. Yeah. And, you know, over the past couple of years, over the past year, it's like, we have to continue these conversations Absolutely. because white yes. supremacy is relentless. It's twenty four seven across the globe. No you sleep. go to some black countries. I'm not talking about your country, talking about when you go to some black countries and you look up at the at the at the billboards and these these white faces. Yeah. It's like all over the place. Are there are there white faces on the billboards in your country? No. Okay. Barely. Not yet. Barely. Barely. Okay, but there are some. <laughs> yeah, there are. Which is which is crazy to me. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. And just that you know, we 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 elected a black president, and I think most of us were smart enough to know that that wasn't just like, oh, racism over, we can right. go home now. But but that his what first quarter and off quarter of the year in office, Joe Wilson stands up and says, "You lie," mm-hmm. and points at him, mm-hmm. and that that was not considered treason. treason. That was not like just the biggest thing it would ever. It was just like, well, that guy was kind of rude, but uh, no big deal. Sit down, Joe. You know, <laughs> like like the, 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 that was not something for which he was demand he was there was no demand for a public mm-hmm. apology there was no demand for him to step out of office it was just literally like where are you lying mr obama right. you know like just how we've watched this person be treated for the past 6 7 years it 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 speaks to the concept of white privilege mm-hmm. and i think that in when we look back on the obama presidency we'll be able to use that to really just kind of highlight how white privilege works more so than we will be able to just kind of hold on to this idea that like look what a big step yeah. we've mm. taken we're so proud because the u.s was so proud you know because we do it have was this, one of our most proudest moments absolutely we have this terrible and we re- fucked it up oh so bad because yeah. we have this terrible reputation across the mm-hmm. world for being racist for being unapologetically racist and then policing bigotry right. in other people's right. countries right. you know right. I got a couple of questions for you from uh, Twitter. Okay. Um, This one is from The Real Tehran. Okay. Two R's. What impact has social media had on journalism? Pluses and minuses in the future, number one. 
And what's the last book you've read, enjoyed, and re- and what's the last book you've read, enjoyed, and last book you enjoyed and read? Okay. So, so social media and, ju- and journalism. Uh, social media allowed non-traditional journalists like mm-hmm. me to have jobs like the job that I have. Which is I a plus and a minus. It's a plus and a minus, you know, because not everyone has... I don't want to put this. It, it it it's a gift and a curse. It can be dangerous. I think that there's a sense of entitlement to a voice that everyone everyone has. There's a great quote. I forget the man said. I think he was a he's a CEO of a PR company, and I'm blanking on his name. But it's everyone deserves a voice, but not everyone needs a microphone. Mm-hmm. So, social media makes it so that nearly everyone can have access to a microphone. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just get one, but that you can grab one at some point. And I think that that can be dangerous. It's also allowed citizens to become journalists in a way that we really need. So we saw that mainstream media was telling you one story about what was happening in Ferguson and Baltimore and citizen journalists and traditional journalists and people like myself who were somewhere in the middle who were there were able to say that's not what's actually happening. You know, like I witnessed like my first night in Ferguson, I saw tear gas. Did you fly out there independently or because of your, your gig? somewhere in the middle okay. like my boss and I Karen and I was right. like I'm going she's like right. you're going and I, you know and so you saw that I saw tear gas and then the media relayed because they had corralled all the journalists into one place that particular the first night of the curfew so this is August 16th so they say we see you stay in this parking lot the parking lot of the corner store where or the, the um it's not a corner store technically there, but the mini mart where right. we've seen on the video with the cigarillos. They said, stay here or else we can't protect you and you'll be arrested. So a lot of us that night were there and we see the we see we hear one, two, three gas and then you see it. But we're say we're like three blocks up, so you can't really smell it yet. And the media relations person is like, that's not tear gas, that's just smoke. So we're mm-hmm. tweeting, like, they've just started throwing smoke cans. And then we're reading the tweets from the people that were down there, like, this is tear gas mm-hmm. and we're being tear gas. Right. Right. And so just Damn. think of all the, right. Like, we got the, like, they lied to us in that moment. Right. We were close enough that eventually you did get to smell it, right. you know? And they're Sick. still, and these are people from USA Today and from CNN and, you know, Fox Spinning. News. Spinning. They're telling us right then and there, you know? So. Without social media, I, I think that a lot of these crimes that have, at the very least, been investigated, you know, maybe they didn't get a, an indictment, but they got investigated. investigated. Without social media, there wouldn't have been a report where they say, you know what, it is crazy what the people of Ferguson have been going through, and they are being over-policed, they are being over-arrested. You know, change will not be fast in any of these areas, but... I, I am very grateful that we have the tools, you know, for people to do this sort of work. And I'm certainly not a leader. I'm just right. one of many voices in the chorus. And, and but... I definitely got to shout out DeRay. Oh, yes. And, my friend and, and 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 the, the, the countless other people that are. Absolutely. Sean King, all these cats that are out on the front line. Absolutely. You know, Netta and DeRay, what they've been able to do is something that I think in a lot of ways. And again, they're not the only ones. Um but but they're they're among the most visible, and I, I I think that we will kind of study that model for years to come. And you see, that's how you get a Wesley Lowry or somebody who is a traditional journalist mm-hmm. in every sense of the world word who knows to look for them, right? Who knows to be out there where they are, and who knows how to use now Twitter and Snapchat and Periscope to mm-hmm. tell stories. Right. And what's the last book that you read? The last book that I read. Um, right now, I am reading. Damn, I just started. I'm so terribly scatterbrained. I'm re- I just started reading Scarface's book. 
Really? How was it? Yeah, it's really so the chapters are very. It's very yeah. easy to read. It's yeah. very digestible. But I appreciate that about it. Like I feel and, like he really made a book that everyone can read. He's a very complex. Yeah, individual. Absolutely. Yeah, I got. I got to pick that up. Pull my shit up. Yeah. I know we've had him on the show a couple of <laughs> yeah. times. Um, second question is by Queenly by Nature. Okay. Which writer activist has influenced your brand of feminism, womanism the most? And any particular piece of work? Well, this is a, a blatant shout out. Or, so Black Macho and the Myth of the Superwoman by Michelle Wallace, for which I which, which was released 38 years ago. And I wrote the foreword to the new edition that's coming out in June. Good for you. <laughs> or June, June. So that, for me, was one of the, the most influential early on. It kind of just affirmed a lot of what I thought. I was like, I'm not crazy. Right. But um, I always cite these two books, and I really mean it when I think of like my early, early feminism, like I'm first starting to have these moments, Joe Morgan's When Chicken Heads Come mm. Home to Roost, That's which I book. think is it's a good book. It's an important read. It's an easy read. It's a yeah. really and, easy and, read. And Joan's another lovely Fantastic. I've, I've had the fortune of, of knowing her personally. Absolutely. She, she's become one of my big sister friend people that's, that's who's dope. had my back. And I, I'm lucky. Like, that kind of group of writers that I grew up reading, like, Joan, Kierna, Dream Hampton, Akiba Solomon, Karen Good, Asha Vandalay. Like, those are my, like, big sisters now. Like, they really have, have looked after me that, and hot. supported me. Yeah. That's hot. I'm that's very hot. fortunate for that. That's hot. All right. Um, some cats were asking me why, and I already get it because I do the same thing. Why... Jay-Z over Nas. <laughs> no. Uh, Jay-Z just, over Nas. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're going to have this debate. Somebody you from Brooklyn? Right. Wait, AK, so, you from Brooklyn? So what? Are you kidding me? Brooklyn's next to Queens. No, you no, live no, 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 no. You live in West Queens, Brooklyn, dude. Anyway. You know, so somebody, it's funny, and I know who asked that question. Because, like, somebody asked me, like, rank your, you know, and they named, like, five MCs, and I put Jay over Nas. And it was just kind of like an off the cuff, like, uh, you know, it, it's the body of work. I mean, it's kind of, it's just kind of like, I like tacos mm -hmm. and I like Chinese food and they're two very different experiences. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not so much that I can really say one is better, but right. if I absolutely had to, like, I, there are just more Jay-Z songs that I can name mm -hmm. that are, you know. More impact. Impact, Social yeah, King. Like, are you, are, are you disagreeing I, with this? And I'm very Listen. critical of Jay as hyper-capitalist. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really take a stance. You on, haven't subscribed on, the title? No. You're not, you're no, not rocking with no, the title I wave? No, I spend $8 a month on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify is the shit. Yeah, Spotify is great. And I, 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 mean, I could give you a whole, like, I wish somebody asked me to be a consultant for title. I'm like, so what you don't want to do in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement is get eight of the biggest millionaires in the industry mm -hmm. and line them all up. We as if, money. You know, we and, need more and, money. And in the like, middle of the, the week of Baltimore, you don't oh want to talk God. about your B-sides. Like, yo, you're never on Twitter. Right. And now you're tweeting, like, look, I need to defense title. Like, Title should have been you. Paragraphs. Jay was dropping paragraphs. Paragraph. I'm like, you've tweeted twice ever. Yeah. Ever. Somebody's editing these tweets. There's not a comma out of play. Like, somebody put thought into this. And this was the night after things mm -hmm. had turned all the mm -hmm. way up in Baltimore. You know, it's funny. You talk about Ferguson. And, you know, J. Cole was, like, one of the guys who was yeah. out there. He looks so uncomfortable. I was just about to say, he was on the he was title like, stage. I don't like, want to be up here. Hey, <laughs> Rock Nation, this isn't fair. Like, you know, and it's funny because I, I was very vocal about Jay the day that yeah. he announce his b-sides uh yeah. concert and i was like you know i, I fuck with jay and the yeah. whole now but this ain't could, and cats were like yeah but he 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 donates and i'm like yeah it, i get it yeah. if you do shit behind if you're a private person with with your contributions to the movement i appreciate that yeah. but 
your voice, man. Your voice, mm-hmm. like you, voice, you, gotta you use have it. a power. Like not yeah. everyone has a powerful voice, right? But if you have a powerful voice, you like gotta Jay-Z, use it you for something. Do. Something like do. even if you want to be, you know, you don't want to compromise your ability to be able to write those checks, and that's fine. You know, it also raises the question: How much money do you need? Right. You know. And again, I I, yeah. I know that Jay Z does things behind the scenes. I know he does big things behind the scenes, but. If Just you we want to hear your, one thing. We need to hear one thing because you raise your voice for capitalism. Mm-hmm. You raise your voice for things, you know, for for Samsung, water. Mm-hmm. for water, for button ups. Um, for button, you, you had us. You literally you had us wearing button ups, Jay. Yeah, you had dudes go from you made a, first throwbacks. Mm-hmm. No, know, no, 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 no. First of all, I was mad at Jay when he was wearing the do rags. I hate yeah. do rag Jay because he had niggas everywhere wearing do. He didn't even have waves like that. And I was like, yo. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like, what are you wearing the do-rag for? <laughs> do-rag is it's a functional item yes. in addition to the style at the time. But he had everybody wearing those tacky mm-hmm. blue do-rags mm-hmm. and red do-rag. And then was like, nah. We got to button up. We got to button, button, button up. Which we all buttoned up. Everybody did them big oversized So your voice is obviously your influential. Your voice is impactful. Yeah. So just imagine if you were just something as small. Like it's not even have to be the biggest thing. If it were just as small as just treating women better. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we know you love your woman. Like mm-hmm. we, we see that. And I think for some people, the him and Nas, you know, with Cleese kind of did make relationships look cool. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's not even something you really like. You're just at the point where you're talking about it. Now you have two euro. You right. know, it's like you've been with this woman for over 10 years. Like, mm-hmm. it's totally okay. You know, and again, in interviews now, who kind of lose, like, oh, I had to grow up. I had to get out of Like, but what if you really, you still call her like a, a, a bitch with a fat mm-hmm. ass on records mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, what's cool for a couple, the community doesn't necessarily right. need that. That's, but what that's we TMI. could, that's TMI. But what we could use is for you to talk to dudes about not catcalling or just something. Something. You know, I'm not saying it has to be. We got to grow up. We got to grow, grow up. up. And, 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 and cats like Jay can, 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 can help in the process. Absolutely. Um, your top five writers of all time. Ooh, it's difficult. Um, Tony Morrison, James Baldwin, mm. Alice Walker. Trying to think of like a magazine writer, somebody to kind of balance it out. Um, Tony Hesey. No, you don't. You don't fuck with Tony. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying top five of all okay. time. No, no, no. I don't think he would want to be on somebody's right. top five of right, all right. time list. Um, hmm. Baldwin, Walker, Morrison. I'm a big Langston. Even though I'm not a huge poetry person, Langston Hughes mm. and Maya Angelou are, are big ones for me. Um, I would have to say Bell Hooks. Hmm. Bell okay. Hooks, yeah. She she has such a clean. I don't always agree with the things that she says, but just very clean, clear kind of like exactly. Like I want to be understood. Right. Like it's not my job. Even though now some of the things she said in kind of her speaking engagements don't quite feel that same way. But just kind of like I want to be understood. I'm not here to preach to the right. choir. And your top five MCs. Top five. Hmm. So I've that for me has always been so it's so sporadic because yes. I know just some of it for me is just like what I like. It's not about you being the best. It's, it's what you like. What I like. It's what you like. So that said, like it's hard for me to not put like do I put Common on here because I don't think he's one of the five best, right. but he may be but one of my five your list. favorites. It's your list. You know, so. and and I think we all have to respect our individual list. Yeah. So if this is just my completely just my individual list, it's gonna be so corny, so Brooklyn natural hair, but. Um, Lupe. Mm, okay. Kendrick's already there. Mm-hmm. Like Kendrick is. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He might have taken KRS's spot. Like I just. Ooh, okay. That's difficult. That's difficult. No, but I I get it. Black Twitter. Yeah, Black Twitter gonna light me up. Mm. Um. <laughs> 
So, so and then there's also like, so I want to put most on there, but most has such a small body Mose of work. Most has let us point. down. Hey, I wanted him to be on my top five, and I even wrote a post one day saying like, like when he when he when he freestyle or when he did that freestyle with Eminem yeah. and Black Thought mm-hmm. on the on the on the BET um um, um hip hop yeah. uh, awards. Destroyed. I was like, this is why he sucks because he can do he this, can do yep. this, and he's not. Yeah, that's why. I etched him out. I don't want him on my list because yeah, he can. Because so of anyway, the, yeah. yeah. So that, so, so. Sorry, I see. Lupe, Kendrick. So, so I should say, can start with Kendrick is number five. Lupe. Number one is probably thought. Mm. Like consistency. consistency. Like I do this. I'm going to do this. 10 albums, 15 albums. I don't I'm care the if same. I sell. I, am as, I don't or, care if record. I sell a record. You know. Um, Tyreek. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, Two more. It sucks that I don't have a woman to put on there, but I don't have a woman to put on there. So I love Jean Grey. I, mm. I really do love her. She was on uh, Mark's list. Yeah, yeah. Five. She she's she deserves it. You know, like she mm. she may be number six. Mm. She's phenomenal, six and yeah. she's a cool ass girl. Yeah. Like I, I've hung out with her once. She's cool as shit. Um, I also try to spend very little time thinking about this. Right. You know, like if I start talking about favorite rap songs, I may say like Ice Cream by Wu Tang. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it would be on my top five, perhaps. Um, I don't know what to do with most common and quality. They're kind of in the in that on the on the bench, kind of on that yeah, on, on the that bench. bench. <laughs> so okay, so let me readjust. So if I put, I'm gonna this would probably make both of them throw up. But if I make quality and most share a space, okay. Um, that that well, you know, was it? It's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to think of them as a unit. It's, right. it's very, and to be fair, Quali has a body of work. He yep. has been consistent, and he's fantastic. And you know, um, Kendrick Lupe, Black Thought is number one. There's somebody like, do I put Jay on there? Like I, my my Jay politics are so complicated. You got to remove talk. the politics, though. Yeah, you got to remove the politics. If I if I completely remove the politics, then Jay does probably yeah. become like very my good. number two, and very then. Good. Nas is on Nas is on the the most deaf list of like I want you to have it and I love Nas. Yeah. I don't this one will do the top. There's no top. I love them all. I, yeah. I just everyone I name is, is you know a what great and, and and I found the reason why I asked this question is I think the more people are um, honest about the answer, hmm. I think it opens up people's consciousness about yeah. who they can have on the top five. Because yeah. I when I thought about my top five and Doom was in my top five. Mm. I said it with my chest and cats yeah, were like, what? and motherfuckers didn't run up on me. Yeah. I was like, y'all, y'all got to accept this is my, this is my top yeah. five. And I said, so what's, what's next for you? What is next yes, for me? What, what work, is next for you? I am working on a book. Okay. I don't have a deal yet. Okay. Uh, early stage. Self-published or no, you want that check? check? Okay, Come you need on. that check. All right. Child to raise. I and some shoes, a little bit of shoes. You see your shoe game? Your shoe Yeah, I am working on a book. I have a really phenomenal concept and, you know, I hope that the person who I've started working on it with is committed to keep going with me. And do I see more of you in front of the TV screen, in front I of the box? So. I like doing TV. Yeah. I like doing, I, I, I do. You know really how to push those TV. buttons. I, you know. You, 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 them black Republicans were mad. So mad. Mad. So mad. For no, I mean, but the white Republicans were even more mad. Yeah. You know. Well, they gonna be mad. They gonna be mad. They gonna be mad. They, they gonna be mad. Yeah. Um. One last question. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of people DM'd me. Okay. You have a lot of admirers. Are they boys? Ooh. A lot of admirers out there. <laughs> 
they and they were like, like we, 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 they're crushing on you. Aww. But they feel that your standards, your, your standards are so high mm-hmm. that they don't have a shot. Some of them feel they're not tall enough. Oh my goodness. That, what, <laughs> what were you tweeting about? The over 30 thing? I was just kidding. I'm th- like, people, you know what? And I, I'll tell you a story. I hope he doesn't hear this, but just kind of a lesson I learned. I really do need to chill with like tweeting about men, mm-hmm. period. Men are sensitive. You know? Men are so sensitive. There's a guy who was an internet friend for years mm-hmm. when we first encountered each other I was in a relationship and then I wasn't and we finally got to hang out like and we have real life mutual friends we got to hang out in person for the first time last couple of months and now he's in a relationship and I didn't realize that he was attracted to me and I definitely was kind of like oh he's a cutie pie and blah 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 you know and he said something like yeah you were always tweeting about how like you don't like guys under a certain height and I'm like, and he's my height. We're the right. same height. Right, right. And that absolutely would have dated this guy. Mm. Absolutely, hands mm. down. Like, we're friends. Like, you know. But he's taking it. I'm just like, damn. Like, I wonder how many, like. Wait, he got a ring? No. Lives in a different he, state. And I respect relationships okay. and all of right, that. Right, okay. You know. Oh, but, you know, you, I mean, you, you know. Homie, if you, you listen to the Combat Jack show. Yeah. of DMs. You never know. You never know. But, but, um. But yeah, like I'm just like yo, like has there been somebody who was five nine and thought that because I always joke about that that I, I you know, because I, I don't take myself that seriously. Right, That's right, I'm right. like, what do you mean, like? Yo, listen, yeah. brothers, if you got game and if you if your shit is on point, step up, man. Stop, don't don't be intimidated. Yeah, right? I, I, even if you're a store clerk, be a king. Be a king. Clerk. Be a king. I, Raise the bar. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm picky. I'm not going to say I'm not picky, but... <laughs> Don't come in looking like Fetty Wap with the... With the, <laughs> with the looking this way and that. <laughs> no you know shots. Fetty Wap's eye is not what Yo, I dislike okay. about him. Bro, okay. <laughs> That's not the problem. It's not the not eye. Cool. Yo, listen, eye. Jamila, this has been great. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. Anything me. else before we wrap? Uh... Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I, for anyone who's listening to this and has supported me, thank you for your support. For mm-hmm. the people who are like, who is this bitch you got on here? I hope you enjoyed listening to I hope you're still here. And I hope that you enjoyed this. Thank and you so much. Very good. Again. Very good. Hey, King, what's up? Yo, I'm amazed. Man. She need to be on a, on a Combat Jack show like once a month or something. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, are you, are you, are you crushing I... right now? <laughs> Step up. Step up. <laughs> yo, and, and one more thing I want to say. Yo, listen, and talking about the top five, yo, I'm desperately trying to put Jay Electronica in my top five. But he, won't, he won't put out a fucking no, project. I, I said this a couple of weeks like, ago. Like, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? I said this a couple of weeks ago. He like, refuses to be on my top five. Yeah. Jay, stop That record he put out, and I'm like, damn. Every, which, every, which one? every single which, one. Which one? The last, the most recent one. Everyone. Every single Everyone. time. And then the title crazy. thing happened. I'm like, damn, is Jay Electronic going to put his album on title? That's so anti Jay. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. That's what's going to make us download title, the Jay Electronic nope. album. No, because it's going to get bootlegged the next day. <laughs> oh, they going to be on it. <laughs> Yo, listen, internets, you know what it is, man. Dream those yeah. dreams and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white. Yeah. And the universe flows in Technicolor and surround sound. Raise the bar. Let's go. Numenati! This weekly drop is featuring rap newcomer Gold Link with a new record called Sober Thoughts. Shout out to Al Lindstrom. Shout out to Rick Rubin. Hashtag the weekly drop. The Combat Jack Show. Cheer.
Yeah, we fuck today, we fight tomorrow, then we fuck again. I fuck a homie, she find out, and then she fuck my man. Then I hit her and I tell her she a piece of shit. Then she call the cops and say you always made me sick. Then we fuck again, we making up, and then we back to where we used to be. And usually it take like two or three, sometimes it lasts a week. Then it's right again, then I fuck a friend, the cycle never end. That same little nigga yelling out that west side. Was that same motherfucker in that drive-by? West side till I motherfucking D.I. East side, get the love when I get high. Pop bottles and I forget you even exist. Rally at the cathedral, throw up the head of fist. Baby girl doing better with a star now. And I'm so deep in the pussy, make a star child. Sober kids with sober thoughts. And it's okay, cause baby, I got what you want Sober kids with sober thoughts And it's okay, cause baby, I got what you want I'm an addict for you, such a passion for you. Never ask for much, except a little loyalty. Some hidden act of us, swear it's bad for us. But I don't give a fuck. Addiction is your purest way of love that will enhance us. Drink driving, drunk driving, phone posits, autopilot, coin wallet. We hiding, Heavenly Father, don't be mad at me. You may not come when I want you, but you're right on time. Yeah. Sober kids with sober thoughts, and it's okay, cause baby, I got what you want. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Networks production.